everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. As always, my name is Brad and I am joined by Alexander Hamilton III. Not the great. You're not good enough for that. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> we have spoilers. Okay, well, you're not the great because you are a Grixis aficionado. And according to Wizards, you have not been deemed worthy enough to receive good cards. So Except you've lost one. your title of Alexander the Great. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this more when we get into more of the spoilers. But the Grixis, it started off so well. We got the Triome. <laughs> Maestro Charm, that card has been an absolute fucking bomb in testing. Like, holy fucking shit, that card is good. And then, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it. <laughs> from the perspective uh, of Grixis control. Like, there's good cards in Grixis colors, but one in particular. We'll get there soon enough. One in particular? Hmm. I mean, you, okay, do, do you think a mid-range deck can come out of what we're seeing here? Um, I don't know. The, the thing is, is that um, I guess I could just start talking about one card immediately that would work in a Grixis thing is uh, a little chat. One of the first cards to be spoiled on the uh, Twitch stream. One of the blue for an instant with casualty one. Uh, this is the Maestro's mechanic. Casualty one means as you cast a spell, you may sacrifice a creature with power one or greater when you do copy this spell. So this could be Casualty X. There are cards with Casualty 2, 3, etc. Card says, look at the top two cards of your library, one of them into your hand, the other on the bottom of your library. So we have these Grixes. Grixes has a sacrifice theme. And if I'm thinking of a like a mid-range list for Grixes, that's like um, Glinsleaf Siphoner, 4-mana Bolas, 5-mana Bolas... I don't really see that deck sacrificing its own creatures. We have Junsack, we have Rakdosack. Um, Junsack, like Trail of Crumbs and stuff, is really hard to compete with. So we might have Grixis Sack, but I wouldn't be surprised if Rakdos just picks up the good sack cards in the Rakdos color and just doesn't even bother going into blue. Because there's only a few good blue I mean, a little chat is the main one. There's some other blue casualty cards that are pretty okay, but especially because a lot of the Grixis cards are just not attractive. So, like, you're splashing blue for a couple of cards. At that point, I would just splash green and play a couple of the good green cards. I think another weird thing with the Grixis cards we're seeing is they have this, this um, sub-theme of, like, Vampire Tribal, but they don't give a shit about having other vampires. It's all, they just happen to be vampires, I guess, but they care about like card advantage, but in these weird kind of unorthodox ways, like you have the one that like flashes in, you get like every time I, so actually the only other card that's like cares about vampires that it's like you exile the top two cards of like, or the top card of your library and your opponent's library with a counter on it. And you can like play those cards until like end of turn or some shit. Um, but like it's also like five mana. Yeah, that one's Four like uh, I've I've quickly looked her up. It's Evelyn the Covetous. So there's a whole cycle for all the houses, and they have weird casting costs. So this is two colorless, then a Demir hybrid, a black, and a Rakdos hybrid. So you can play her in a mono black deck, not in a mono black commander deck though, because hybrid rules are dumb. But yeah, so she's a two five. She got flash, and when she or another vampire enters the battlefield under your control. 
she might genuinely be the only card that has the word vampire in her text box. I think so. Um, you exile the top card of each player's library with a collection counter on it. Once each turn, you may play a card from exile with a collection counter on it. If it was exiled by an ability you control, and you may spell mana as though it were any color to cast it. This is basically like every time a creature enters the battle, a vampire enters the battlefield, including her, you get a Tybalt plus. Except you can't cast the cards anymore if she dies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, make of that what you wish. I mean, so I just I, I checked real quick, Alex. There are a total of two cards so far out of the 233 that we have spoiled with, you know, out of a 281 card set. There are two cards that have vampire in the text box itself. It's Evelyn and then vampire uh, Scrivener. It's a five mana two two flying vampire that whenever you gain life during your turn. And only the only reason it says vampire in the text box is because the name of the card is vampire Scrivener. So it's just <laughs> saying its own name in the text box. Oh no. <laughs> it's whenever you gain life or you lose life, it gets a counter. And I thought this was a three mana card when I first saw it. I, I was like, I, I sent it to you. I'm like, I'm disappointed. Oh, that's, I would have given it a shot. That's an ongoing after. theme in Grixis. Um, but we have enough to say about it. I think, um if people want the tldr up front uh they somehow managed to like this the maestros looks like like the place where we would go and chill right they're grixes and it's vampires but mm-hmm. somehow we're yeah. both not happy like <laughs> this club <laughs> fucking sucks yeah, like, the drinks the are too expensive too the music sucks yep. it's too loud <laughs> anyway so Moving on with some of the cards before we get stuck for too long. Uh, we're going to do our typical thing, Mythic Spoiler. Uh, we're starting on, I think it's April 7th. Um, mm-hmm. Talked about a little chat. Um, some of the mechanics here were introduced, so I'll go over the band mechanic too in a card that is slightly interesting. In Disciplined Duelist, now this is a green, a white, and a blue, so band, for a 2-1 Another cycle. human citizen with double strike. And Disciplined Duelist enters the battlefield with a shield counter on it. Now, Band has shield counter as a theme. And what it means, if it would be dealt damage... Uh, wait, let me have a quick look. Uh, if it would be dealt damage or destroyed, remove a shield counter from it instead. So it's kind of like a regeneration shield that's on the card. So it basically can't be touched once. Um, which is pretty interesting i've seen some fun cards with um shield counters on it i think this card is actually pretty all right and i think this can sneak into like a really aggressive humans build though i do think the deck slots are a little tight for it being in band that's probably the most castable out of all the colors, like there's some good Jund humans, but Jund humans moves really far away from what green-white humans is doing. Well, what five-color humans is doing right now, because they are somewhat of a Celestia shell at heart. So I think this card has potential in the deck, but I don't know what you make of it. I got distracted because we just had a spoiler. The last mythic of the set just dropped. All right, we'll just do the reverse order. Let's talk about that. Just just for it's, fun. What is it? It's Titan of Industry. Oh my god. A seven mana 
four and triple green for a seven seven elemental that has reach and trample it's just a walking house you know it's fucking sweet (laughs) um amazing flavor by the way when titan of industry enters the battlefield you choose two and there's four modes destroy target artifact or enchantment cool uh target player gains five life nice create a four four green rhino warrior creature token cool or put a shield counter on a creature you control this does a lot. I mean, this is a this is a slam dunk in my my LEDH deck, but it's not going in anything else. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it sucks like slam like, dunk in that deck. Holy shit! <laughs> too too bad. I mean, look, maybe. Oh, okay. It this should have been a creature, an artifact creature, elemental, because it's a fucking house. It's a building. <laughs> And I I would have grabbed this with Karn in Mono Green. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking was it. It's so cool. I'm so disappointed. Well, you could have grabbed it with either Vivian or Karn. You were still in that. Yeah. Kind of like the Verderous Gearhulk slot where that that card yeah. sometimes. No, this pops is this up. is better than Verderous Gearhulk because it does something. <laughs> Supposed to just be. Granted, with Gearhulk <laughs> I, you could I go watch. Karn and then play it the turn after. You couldn't with this. Yeah, potentially, but that's is that the last mythic of the set then? It, is that? That's what Seth just said. I mean, it is it is cool, right? It it is a banger to end on, but I do hope it's not going to be the most exciting card that's left. We also got another. <laughs> Remember, um, Priest of Forgotten Lore, or whatever it's called. No. <laughs> from Kaldheim, the the dwarf or is it or is it afr it's afr i think like three mana two one enters battlefield gain a life draw a card oh yeah yeah, yeah. we got the exact same card in inspiring overseer but it flies two and a, yeah it's just flies so it's it's strictly better <laughs> i mean that priest sometimes saw play actually that mono white legends kind of deck right yeah i would i would just swap it for this <laughs> easy also um, a cheap angel that's cool uh, also yeah. a cleric, and that's you know the synergy we've seen in angels. Uh, Actually, angel cleric, could so... be worth playing in angel angel tribal at some number. There's a there's Co- a deck for it's this a hit. potentially. <clears throat> it's only a common. But to go back a little bit, Brad, Dis- discipline duelist. Two so, one okay, double so strike shoot duelist is, Yeah, so this card's cool. Um, I'm more more focused on the, the actual mechanic of shield counters. I th- I think that's a really interesting way to provide pseudo protection. Uh, on something and what's really funny is if you play this with like the ozolith or whatever and it but there's the problem is my buddy adrian who you could start handing out the times. shield counter that's awesome uh well oh no wait the thing because is, you, it has to die it has to die and then the counter gets removed but then the creature exactly. doesn't die but this but this is what you do you go with a bant blink deck playing the ozolith and you just you just fucking hoard shield counters <laughs> and you're like i will protect you could one sack thing your forever. creature you kid, yes. You yes. sacrifice your creature, then <clears throat> the shield counter would actually be lost. So, but yeah, I, I think this mechanic is super sweet. I think the shield counter is, like I said, it's a very interesting way of providing protection. Um, it's unique. It's flavorful. Um, this card is fine. Uh, I, I think it could have a shot at seeing playing something. Um, though the thing about this cycle, because um, the each house has an uncommon. Uh, you know, Blackstone Guard. Yeah, triple, triple color, 
whatever to do something. And then all with that, their particular mechanic. So it could, but yeah, I, I'm much more interested in the fact that this is a sweet mechanic rather than this card. Um, but there, you know, I, I think the flavor of this set's sweet. I'll give it that. I like this set a lot so far from what we've seen. We have other mechanics. So I guess we might as well just go through real quick, I guess, the mechanics in general. Um, though we did go over them pretty much for the most part, um, last week. Cause we did talk about the boss monsters. Um, yeah, but I, I don't believe, uh, no, we, we didn't have, uh, we only had three cause now we have Falco Spara, you know, wombo yep. combo that ain't Falco, um, which is the banned one. So that features the shield counters for the sake of time. I don't think this card is good. So I'm just going to move on. Uh, yeah, because it was the March 31st. We had, we had Jet Mirror, Xander, and Rafine. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I'm going to assume you are interested in Ziatora, which is the, um, let me get the house right, Riveteers? Boss Monster? Ziatora is sweet. Um, so Ziatora is uh, three, and then obviously the Jun colors. So six mana, six, six, Demon Dragon with flying, of course. At the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice another creature. When you do, Zeotora the Incinerator deals damage equal to that creature's power to any target, and you create three treasure tokens. So, I think this card has a chance. It, it, it deserves to be tested. Whether or not it turns out to be good, because it is an end step clause, which can be a little awkward, Um if it was like a thing where it was an activated ability of just like sacrifice a creature, you may do this once per turn. And then that kind of the rest of that effect, it'd be, it'd be a slam dunk, but the timing is a little weird, but in a Jund sacrifice deck, or even I'm actually more interested in this card in Jund Citadel than I am in Jund sacrifice. Uh, cause Jund Citadel would like to play one or two Corvold, um, either splitting them between one and one in the side in the main or two in the main kind of thing. Um, just to have that extra little threat, this serves that purpose of the extra threat. Now, of course, Corvold itself draws a card, right? Um, that's the big thing. If you're comparing it to Corvold, this is one more mana and I would argue is a little worse than Corvold because Corvold enters, Saxoming, draw a card and then it just grows and it grows and it grows. Yeah. And, and you can immediately it. like... Cat often draw another two cards, get another two counters exactly. from Corvold. He's now larger than Zeotora. Like, yep. Though the fact that it just launches and flings whatever the creature is at any target is really nice, as well as the three treasure tokens, um, which Twitter is up in flames the last couple of days uh, of the all the treasure cards we fucking got. can't blame him though. Yeah, not for not for constructed, by the way, for commander. Everyone's just like, what the fuck? Also, I love that Seth just put up a video yesterday of a, a against the odds kind of thing of like Revel and Riches and Pioneer. And then we get all these extra treasure cards in this set. And it's I'm like, well, you're gonna have to revisit yep. that uh that deck, buddy. Um but making the three treasures is really nice because it gives you more fodder to sacrifice to um uh what's it called? Um Citadel. 
and it get it maybe helps you get to that point faster because there have been plenty of times where I've been playing the Citadel version and I'll even have a Corvold down or whatever. And you get to that point where you're like, you're at like eight permanents. And you're like, fuck, I wish I had a little bit more. Well, this on end step would give you those extra three permanents. You would, you would, you would gain two. I'm hesitant to put a six drop in my Citadel deck though. You already put a five drop in Corvold in it. Yeah, fair. Um, and again, I don't think this has to be... You're not playing four of these. No, this, I think this just takes Corvold's spot in Citadel. Yeah, the, the main one I'm better seeing, there. There are some Corvold decks that basically run like a set of Corvold, right? Like that's yeah, been a like thing John, sometimes. It's, um, yeah, they, they usually choose between running um, four Corvold or they split... Uh, okay, there, there's three options. It's four Corvold or four Meat Hook Massacre and Jun Sack or they do a 2-2 split between them. I can imagine... I, the four Corvold like version might run three Corvold one of this, just because Corvold's legendary. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I think, think that's, that's right. That, that's like, a, I think, a place you can be, especially if the how the removal lines up, if Power Word kills very popular, uh, mm-hmm. you know, people killing a lot of dragons, and then, well, can't kill any dragons, and then your top end is suddenly a bunch of dragons. That could be cool. And the devil, mayhem devil. So it's like, <laughs> you can't fucking kill any of this uh, shit. Is it also devils? I thought it was demons. Demons, dragons, it, angels. No, also devils? And devils. It's also devils. Fuck me. <laughs> so um, they can't, they can't <laughs> kill devilish valet either. But uh, to very quickly, I think to touch on, is also the Riveteer's mechanic. And that synergizes really well with Ziatora. So uh, we find out for the first time on Jaxus the Troublemaker. And the mechanic is Blitz. So Jaxus is a 4-mana 2-3, uh, which basically has um, Fable of the Mirror Breaker's backside activated ability, except mm-hmm. you also have to... Um, but a little bit different, because Blitz means you can cast a card for its Blitz cost, which means you get it on the battlefield, it gets haste, it's very similar to Dash, but instead of going back to your hand, it gets sacrificed at the end of the turn and you draw a card. Um, the thing is, though... It dying at the end of the turn and you draw a card are separate things. So what you can do is you can blitz your creature in, attack with it, and then sacrifice it to some effect, like Ziatora or uh, Deadly Dispute, and then you still get to draw the card because it's not tied to that end step trigger. Yeah. Um, and then what Jaxus does, so it has basically, it can create a copy of a card, but it's a blitzed copy. So you have to discard a card, pay a red, tap Jaxus, uh, make a copy of something, it gains haste at the end of the turn, sack it, and <laughs> if it gets sacked, you draw a card. So just a good one-two. Uh, Ziatora just working well uh, with the mechanic it has, which is pretty cool. I like that. It kind of reminds me of, um, I guess, uh, uh, with like the Decay thing. Where like it's like, uh, what's it called? Like um, Kalidus but decay instead when they come back. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. You get, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Jaxus a lot. I think, I think she's really cool too, but yeah, again, same thing with this one duelist. I'm more interested in the blitz mechanic. Yeah. I don't think Jaxus is any good in all fairness. I think it's a cool card, but like if I have interest in this, like copy effect, I'm just playing fable of the mirror breaker. Like, yeah, it gives you so much more. And this has, like, the upside that you can blitz it in 
and then sort of get like that hasted thing and like I mean maybe I'm missing something right and someone makes like like well, breaks this right they make some sort of combo with it because you now have like your kiki cheeky affected instant speed but it costs a red mana it requires you to discard a card so it's very difficult to like get this to work can this can this go into that gruel selburn combo deck so that's you, the thing like i don't i don't really see yeah you can right you've got the celebrant you blitz you don't, it in, you don't, you you don't have copy. to wait for your your kiki jiki thing to flip i'm almost thinking for... you you get like you get jaxis in and you use jaxis to haste the mirror breaker and then that like keeps going like something like that it's i i don't think it's it's really gonna add to the deck at all but you're good but i think it makes it faster right I mean, you can do it out of nowhere a little bit more. The combat celebrant Kiki Jiki combo, you see it coming from a mile away. Mm -hmm. Because they need to play the saga and then uptick it and then uptick it and then the creature appears, which doesn't have haste, and then they take the turn and you can do it. And Jaxis could enable you to kind of out of nowhere do it one turn earlier. When maybe your opponent is still going to tap out for something because they're like, oh, because next turn I'll get him. And maybe you, for example, just have your saga that's still on two so it's about to flip your opponent's like i'll wipe your board now and then you just get the saga and then you suddenly just play the um this requires quite a bit of mana though and like you would have to get the mana from somewhere to keep making copies because it requires a dork to be alive so you can sort of like do it out of nowhere blitz a couple cards but like i i'm having difficulty seeing it to be honest yeah, I am it still requires like eight mana or something, but it, it is cool that you get to now do it out of nowhere rather than having to wait. Uh, Alex, have you ever played Halo? Like the old, like Halo 2? Nope. Halo 1? So in Halo 2, one of the the uh, enemies was the Brute. Um, and you actually had this like civil war within the Covenant, which is the alien uh, like army that you would fight against, basically. Which is this like collection of all these different uh species of aliens to fight underneath these prophets that promise this you know religious um you know quests basically like they're they're pitching like the war on all these like plants like that is like the great journey that's how you become like you know it's like a prophecy and shit so you have all these different species and everything the brutes are one of them alongside the elites and the brutes um are just they look like fucking apes like they're they they think of they look like joe rogan they have a bunch of joe rogans run around um but there's a thing in the game that at a certain point when they take enough damage they will throw down their weapon and just say fuck this and they just start going quote-unquote berserk and they throw lower their shoulder like they're a linebacker in the NFL and they start just trucking after you and they just try to like hit you over and over again with their shoulder. And they 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 take more damage then they get like this big adrenaline boost and it's hard. They're a bit harder to kill at that point. Um, all I can think of when I read Blitz as flavor is just that last ditch effort like the Brutes from Halo 2 just being like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm probably going to die, but I'm taking this motherfucker out with me. <laughs> Especially just, just going ham. Like if you look at the art, yeah. it's basically just like, yeah, I just gotta knock this motherfucker out, <laughs> even if it's the last thing I do. Yeah. So I mean, that's all I can think of. Um, I, I I love it. 
But um, speaking of cards that we love, the next one is one that you've been very excited to brew around and make some. And then I got disappointed with a card later. <laughs> yeah, but that that happens. Yeah. Though this card is still powerful. In yes. Devilish Valet. So Devilish Valet, two and a red for a 1-3 Devil Warrior, Trample and Haste. And it has the Riveteers mechanic. Uh, notice this is Cabaretti. It has the Cabaretti mechanic of Alliance. And Alliance says, whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, double Devilish Valet's power until end of turn. Uh, in case you want to one-shot someone with this, you need five cards. And if you play, have five other creatures enter the battlefield, it's a 32-3 Trample Haste, which is probably going to knock your opponent out. One way to do this is with X creatures and just don't pay anything for the X. Ornithopter, so baby. Uh, I mean, Ornithopter doesn't die, so you can't like bring it back, which can be annoying. And Ornithopter is also just a bad card all the other times. Ha, ha, how dare you? How dare I? I mean, my flying boy will flap over all your creatures and, and just not do cause any damage. Mayhem. All right, I'm going to put um, a counter on him, okay? But, like, if you do things like Stonecoil Serpent, Hangerback Walker, uh, kind of just these sort of... I mean, there's also, like, Endless One, which is obviously a little bit less powerful. But if you played alongside those creatures, and you just kind of, like, throw a bunch of shitters at your opponent, and then you try and stall, and they just go Valet, X equals zero, 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 you just one-shot your opponent. I have an idea. Instead of the X creatures, okay, and like the zero cost of creatures, we do the Bridgie, Bridger, Br- Bergy, the Bergy Grinning, Exi- Grinning Ignis combo. That works. Or even like the Ancestral Statue combo. Ancestral Statue, how do you get four mana every time to cast that thing? Uh, Paradox Engine. <laughs> We did it, boys. We broke Paradox Engine. <laughs> All we needed was a devilish boy. But yeah, this, this card's all right. But again, it's more about alliances, alliance as a mechanic, though I haven't seen a lot of alliance cards that I'm very excited about. Some people yeah. were excited for Gala Greeters, which is another one uh, that was spoiled at the start, which is a 1-1 Elf Druid for two. And it has alliance, so when another creature enters the battlefield, uh, choose one that hasn't been chosen this turn. Put a counter on this, create a tap treasure, or gain two life. Am I missing something, Brad? But this card's bad, right? I don't like it. Um, I think people... So all of you were like, it's like, even like Todd Anderson was like, is this is this a card for Winota? I even retweeted him and just said no. <laughs> Which he, he replied uh, fucking... Counter-argument, like, like, counter, yes. <laughs> counterpoint, and it's just a gif going, yes, uh, from uh, Rick and Morty. Um, but I don't think so. I don't think this goes in Winota. Um, I, I'm sure this has maybe a deck that it would like to be in. Um, I mean, may, I, maybe you could play it in Elves. Uh, you do have a lot of cheap stuff. You make a lot of mana. You can, you can grow them. Um, I don't like the treasure aspect. The The additional thing of it being a threat is interesting. Um, but it doesn't grow very way. quickly, though. If you play it on turn no, two, but... you would have to have a dork, and the dork has to live. And then you could play another one mana card, and it's a 2-2. Two, two, and next turn, you play another card, and it's a 3-3. Three, three. Ow. Yeah. And then the treasures come in tapped as well, so you can't use them right away. 
but I'll, I'll put it this way. Alex, if this card it, within the next month, okay, sees play in Winota and consistently becomes a mainstay in Winota and like tops, like uh, challenges and shit like that, I will buy a playset of it and I will eat it on stream. <laughs> I will fucking eat four copies of Gala's Can Greeters. I pick the language you buy the copies in? Because have you seen that? Have you seen that part of Gala Greeters? Which is oh, yeah. super well, it's awesome. All, it's all the it's all the um the the promos for like uh the events. No, 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 they're not promos. They are just in if you buy an English copy of if you buy an English pack of magic cards with Gala and Gala Greeters is in it, and you buy a um a French pack of Magic the Gathering cards, and there's a Gala Greeters in it, it'll have different art. So Gala Greeters has art based on the language of... The, the language it's printed in, which I think is super cool. Yeah. I, I think like there's like a, a Portuguese-Brazilian one, a Russian one, traditional Chinese, simplified Chinese, Japanese. There's Yeah, I think there's one for every language that Magic cards are printed in, which is awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll eat one in every language. How about that? Sure. <laughs> I'll do it. I don't give a shit. It's not going to happen. Pretty confident. Fair. Then we have um, a returning mechanic uh, that people have been uh, speculating would be coming back. And it's back now. It's Hideaway. And the first card we got of that variety is Wiretapping, a five mana, four and a blue enchantment with hideaway five for those of you who don't know hideaway is a mechanic that says when this uh whatever uh permanent type uh it is like traditionally we had like the land cycle of hideaway um when this enchantment enters the battlefield look at the top five cards of your library uh exile one of them face down then put it on uh, the rest on the bottom of the in a random order and then all hideaway cards have some type of requirement that needs to be met on field or whatever. For example, there's the um, there's the green land um, that says if you have total power of like 10 or more, um, that's the requirement. Whenever you meet that requirement, you can cast the card for free. For this one, it says whenever you draw a card uh, or draw your first card during each of your draw step, draw a card. Then if you have nine or more cards in hand, you may play the XL card without paying its mana cost. So this one's bad. Yes. This one's pretty bad. It's not just pretty bad. This is <clears throat> absolutely unplayable. It's not even commander playable. <laughs> no. So, I mean, but I, there's some other... The green one's um, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the black one the most, to be honest. Um, but we'll, we'll get to those in a moment. Um... Yeah, Hideaway's back. That that one's cool. Then speaking of bad cards, we got a mythic. It's Halo Fountain. Uh real quick, Alex, you do you 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 know what Halo is now at this point, right? It's ground up angels, right? Pretty much, it's yeah. Fucking weird. How much how much of uh how many dead angels are in that fountain? Probably uh probably a lot. At least two. At least two. <laughs> imagine that though that must be like one of the weirdest like most soul-crushing jobs in capanna like what do you do it's like yeah i throw angel corpses in a grinder <laughs> and then i, and then I like whip, and then i like collect the dust and then someone makes drugs out of this 
Well, Halo Fountain is two and a white for an artifact, and it has three abilities. And it climbs. What the first one is one white mana tap, next one is two white mana tap, and the last one is is that six white mana tap? Beautiful. Five, Brad. Only five. Is it five? I'm blind. It's okay. One one white tap. You may untap a tap creature you control, create a one one green and white citizen creature token. Then you can pay two white and tap. Untap two tap creatures you control. Draw a card. Then you can pay five white and tap. Untap 15 tapped creatures you control. You win the game. Brad, do you know what I generally do if I have 15 tapped creatures? Probably win the game. Yeah, because <laughs> that probably means I've been attacking with 15 creatures. Okay, I, the only thing I could see this working in, in which you aren't winning the game immediately, is like a tokens deck, and then you basically... you. Uh, convoke. Yeah, you like convoke March of, of Multitudes, and then you get tokens, yeah. and then... But again, but, you could have just instead of the Halo Fountain and spending five white mana, you could have just like, cracked like the Shepherd Dunes from Amonkhet, and just win. Or play like Jetmere and be like I have a bunch of four ones with Double Strike double and Trample. Strike. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel pretty good about my odds. Um, yeah, this is a bad card. This I, is one of those cards where I really feel like, what the fuck were they thinking? Like, I'm sorry. Like, there's some cards in here. Like, what is this for? Like, do you think like, like the the last mythic that big boy like the walking house is gonna see play anywhere outside of Commander? Probably not. But is it cool? Hell yeah, it is. The fuck is this? Yeah, like. <laughs> There are some win the game cards that I think are like really interesting. There's like the um, what was that goldfish preview a few years ago from like M20 or something? The one that's like uh, that's like a sphinx. Oh, where you need to have six different CMCs in your hand, yeah. So, like, that's interesting. That's a weird, cool against the odds, and they even name dropped against the odds in the article for it or whatever when they revealed it. Um, and like that's cool, right? That's a cool entry to win the game because it's an it's an unorthodox thing to do. It there's like you know, the Tristic Decaphobia or Tristic Decaphile, like those kind of cards and stuff like that. Um, but then you have this card, and, and I, I it's think it's weird pretty simple because how they ended up with this. This is like they pulled a Thassa's Oracle, except the card didn't become good. Where like they had the first two effects, and they're like, this is boring. Right, we should slap something cool onto this. And then someone came up with this. They're like, "Yep, those are words." And then they put it on the card. But here's the thing: with all the cards we just named, all these different you win the game cards. And if you just go on Scryfall and type in text box, you win the game. And then look at all the cards in Magic's history that have that text on it. The one thing they have in common is the majority of them, if not all of them, besides this card. Say you win the game by attacking it from a weird, unorthodox angle from this different axis in which you cannot conventionally win the game normally under those circumstances. Whereas this card, it's like, here's a way you should be winning the game anyway, but now, now you get to win it. One. Yeah, that, that's the thing. That's why I'm confused by this card. It's an uninspired way of, of doing it. And also, it doesn't feel very flavorful. Like, what's the flavor of this card? 
<laughs> we all get drunk at the Halo fountain, you win. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, all the citizens are just really happy. We're just having one uh, giant rave, you win. Yeah, that, you know, like they I, were I all tapped and now they're right. untapped. That's like dancing. You can go infinite with this technically if you have like a, a dork and double halo fountain or something like that. I don't remember what it is. Um, but why the fuck would you do that? And I guess with two, it's like it's white tap and untapped a creature. So if that is like a paradise druid. But then you still haven't untapped your Halo Fountain, though. So you need to also, like, animate your Halo I don't know. I'm yeah, not there's a way you can... I remember seeing... There's a way that you can have double Halo Fountain and, like, some way of extra mana, and then, like, you tap one Halo Fountain, then untap the other, and you, just, you keep untapping each other. Oh, you... Um, uh, I get it. You animate them into creatures and then you play a card like song of frailies or cryptolith rights oh yeah it's cryptolith rights that's what it was which yeah. says that a creature can tap for mana and then they're both creatures and then then the halo fountains dance together and create citizen along the way this this is the, uh, the stupid basically the then you can crap rave right <laughs> <laughs> all right well here's another stupid card but for a different reason, um, though I I don't think it's amazing, but I think I think it's a really really powerful effect, and this is definitely be a house and standard. We'll see if it actually sees play in Pioneer though. It's Elspeth. She's back. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna, okay. Let me bitch real quick. Let me let me complain a little bit really quick. Okay. I've seen so many people when this card was spoiled, and ever since it's been spoiled. The number one thing they've talked about with this card is not the card itself. It's the art and how pretty she is. And I acknowledge that, okay? I have no problem people saying that she's she's very pretty in the art. Good. Yeah, she is. But this is my thing. She looks like Elizabeth Olsen. A lot and of people no said they look like uh, Amy the Amazonian. That's what a lot of people are saying. She looks way more Elizabeth Olsen. I, I like Amy a lot, but she looks way more like she looks straight up like Elizabeth Olsen. She's Scarlet Witch. Look at her. I guess. It's like exactly on the face. I'm going to be honest. I read this card once, deemed it bad, and then I didn't really care anymore. Well, I think it might be fine. All right, let's read out the card real quick, now that we're talking about it. Elspeth Resplendent, three white-white. Legendary Planeswalker Elspeth, her five starting loyalty. Plus one, choose up to one target creature. Put a 1-1 counter on it and a counter from Monk Flying, First Strike, Vigilance, or Lifelink. Minus three, look at the top seven cards of your library. You may put a permanent card with mana value three or less from among them onto the battlefield with a shield counter. Put the rest on the, on the bottom of your library in a random order. Minus seven, create five three three white angel creature tokens with fly. I like the minus a lot. But what do you what do you hit? I, okay, I've seen people are like, yeah, but you minus in blue white control. Huh? You play Elspeth and you hit Narset. And I'm like, now we're going back to my days on doing rant. It's like, stop putting cards in your deck that make Narset better. The card is already good. Like, you don't need to do this. And also, cool that you minus it to a Crete into a Planeswalker, but what's the plus doing if you don't have any creatures? 
Uh, like, duh. You the turn before Alex, you played the Watering Emperor, and yeah. then you're just you can plus on those creatures that she makes. Mm-hmm. I think you're gonna minus three and hit a land about half the time with this card. Yeah, and then you're gonna um, land with I a don't... shield counter because fuck you, Field of Ruin. <laughs> Who whoever whoever was like, let's put this in blue eye control is high as fuck. Um, there's no, this has no shot in a control deck. Are you absolutely kidding me? But like, I don't put it in a creature deck either. Because first, I'm probably going to be a Coco deck if I'm build around the minus three anyway. And what Coco deck's going to put a five mana Planeswalker in their deck? If I put the a five kind. mana white card in my creature deck, I'm just putting in our change of in. Not this. And like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh... I was first also mad that the minus seven made three three angels, even though almost all of them are four four. But then I went to play a game of arena to do my quests, and I got stomped by Resplendent Angel. And I'm like, ah, yes, we already have three three angel tokens. That's a good card. <clears throat> yeah, she's she's cool. I don't think she's gonna. I think she'd be great in standard. Like I said, curving, watering ever into this. I guess um, yeah, that, that's seems cool. really nice. But she I don't think it's soon. very good in Pioneer. So like- yeah. Well, and then we got shown our boy, our Praetor. He's back. He's red. And he's a heretic. Which the flavor is that he's working against the other Praetors. Like he's on his own, right? Yeah, That's I, th- why I think so. Heretic. But he already did on uh, Mirrodin too. So. Yeah. He's very uh, independent. We, we, love, we love a girl boss. Like Urabrask. But he is a a bad card. Yeah. Five mana, four, four with haste, three double red. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the, the top card of your library. You may play it this turn. Cool. It gives you card advantage. Nice. Um, and then at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, the next time they would draw a card this turn, instead they exile the top card of their library. You may they may play that card this turn. Saffron Olive pointed out one very, 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 very specific line of events in which you like that. And it's it's against control. And you're like, instead of drawing a card, you exile it. So fuck your counter spells. That's it. Except That's they've the already countered thing. your five drop. Yeah, he never hit the field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, or, wait. They, or they hit a this sweeper. This card is—you love seeing these cards as control because you don't have to counter them because he doesn't immediately do everything. So you can just let him resolve and then kill him. Yeah, like okay, I'll take four. <laughs> no, even not even that. It's just all right. You hit. Go to combat. Okay, before combat. Bye. Yeah. I he's. Yeah, it's just, that's uh, boring. People pointed out if you have Dranov Magistrate in play, your opponent can't play the card that they exile, which is. I'm sure that's gonna be a f- ooh. Let's, cool. let's bring back uh, ooh. Let's let's bring back Gideon Tribal Fires of Invention, where you play Fires of Invention, a bunch of Gideons, this card, and Dranth Magistrate, and you just prison your. And then your out. opponent has draw spells in their deck, which don't get exiled, and they're like, ah man, my opponent's still still doing things. All right, okay, so we're we're also gonna go into uh, Jeskai and play Narset then. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Notion Thief's even better because it denies you every draw outside your draw. Stack. We're not going in four color. Fuck you. I'm tired of four color fires. 
God. So, we've talked about a lot of bad cards and some medium cards. Shall we talk about potentially the best card in the set, Brad? Getaway car? No. (laughs) (laughs) It's the big bad Thanos himself. Obnixil is the adversary. He's purple. He has wings. He has really amazing art in this set. All three are fucking sweet. The one where he's slouched in the chair with a fucking... Is is he smoking a cigar? Is that what it is? Probably not. Probably not. I don't know. It's Obnixil's the adversary. It is the first ever Pioneer Legal, also first ever Modern Legal, three-mana Rakdos Planeswalker, and he has Casualty X. Well, we talked about Casualty earlier, Alex, and you said that, you know, like one, one, two, three, that kind of thing. This one's fucking X. It could be anything, but it can't be zero, I believe, or it can. I mean, um, technically it could, I guess. I mean, it would shouldn't just, be zero. The copy would just immediately... <clears throat> leave the battlefield well, to the you're, same you're getting effect. ahead of me before we get to the casualty cost let's just look at him as his own as a planeswalker he has a plus one each opponent loses two life unless they discard a card <clears throat> if you control a demon or a devil you gain two life so potentially drain your opponent for two um because the majority of the time they're going to choose to just take the life as opposed to discard a card yeah. unless they are a graveyard centric deck in which they want to discard their cards um, maybe they're playing a Madness deck and you got paired up against Phoenix. one Madness player. Or Phoenix, I mean, yeah. honestly, Phoenix isn't <clears throat> actually that happy to randomly discard cards, too. They want to discard them to their own effects, like Charter Balls, yeah, because exactly. it actually generates them value rather than just... All right, this is not Legacy Phoenix, right? Like, okay, thanks. Dark Ritual, Buried Alive, Lotus Petal, Crack, be- uh, Thought Seize You. Cool, I have four Phoenixes now. It's like, n- no. It's... Now. Well, then he has a minus two that says create a 1-1 red devil creature token with the, of course, staple effect of all devil tokens in magic that says when this creature dies, it pings any target. Um, And then as a minus seven, target player draws seven cards and loses seven life. Comes in with three loyalty. The biggest part about this card is, of course, the casualty. If you use the casualty part of this casting cost, it creates a copy of itself that is not legendary and has starting loyalty casualty X, or I'm sorry, starting loyalty of X. Um, so as you cast a spell, you may sacrifice another creature with power X. When you do copy the spell, the copy becomes a token. So you could enter the battlefield by sacking very simply a one drop, like a shambling gas, a citrus supplier, Epicure. something like that. Yeah. And then you have now for the cost of three mana and the price of a creature you wanted to sacrifice anyway, two planeswalkers, one with three loyalty, one with one loyalty. And now that's where these otherwise medium, I would say lukewarm effects on a planeswalker become a lot more powerful because now you're threatening just two discards per turn um, or draining for four life per turn. Um, create, and you can also like, you know, you know, mix and match. You can minus two on the first one and then plus on the second one and then do the drain. Um, and then there's, of course, to get out of the way, there is the potential of building around this card and being like, we're going to play Rotting Registrar in our deck. And we're going to sack Rotting Registrar to the uh, Casualty X and then immediately have the copy ultimate 
draw seven with seven life. Now, here's my thing with that. I don't think that's particularly good. Um, I don't like, I, I understand on paper, you're like, wow, immediately draw seven. Let's just turn three. If you kept your opening hand at seven, you go, you, after the first turn, you're probably down to five cards left, playing a one drop and a land. Then turn two, draw, play land, two drop. You're down to four cards in hand. Turn three, draw, play land, play this, sack a thing. You're down, back down to four cards in hand, draw seven, go to 11, you have to discard four. And also you might have, well, the thing is, if you played a register on three, and then you play well, it on you four. You probably want to play it on two, right? Do you, you want to be like in, in like a jund? I guess. Like dork? I mean, I just, I, th- I think that is like overvaluing this card. Uh, if you build around it that badly, like you're building, you're putting a lot of effort into just refilling your hand. Like there's, well, there's that's, what, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I see a lot of people like talk about that and I'm like that, even that incredibly high ceiling that people have put up for this card is not that good. Isn't isn't good because you're 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 you have no mana left and you're discarding. And you also anyway. lost the Obnexilis because it's a minus seven. Yeah, so so you only you only get you only keep the original one. Now to touch on it, I do think this card is fucking obscene. Like this card yes. is really good. Uh, I think a very a very important note about the casualty is that casualty triggers as you cast the spell. So even if your opponent negates the Obnixilis or censors it because you're playing it like on turn three, you still get the copy. Because that just went on the stack immediately. So it's very hard to not at least have one Obnixilis. Uh, Mm -hmm. The plus one is like, yeah, you lose two. That doesn't seem great. When you have two in play, that's lose four. right? Every turn. Meanwhile, they have like, I imagine it's in Rectal Sack, right? Um, the, the sort of dream curve is turn one Epicure, turn two Anvil, um, sack, a blood, sack the blood to the Anvil, make a 1-1. One, one. On turn three, you sack the 1-1, one, one, two Obnixilas, and now you have a three and a one loyalty Obnixilas, and an Epicure, and, you know, potentially, uh, and a blocker. And, and, and you get the 1-1 one, one back. Yeah, you get the 1-1 one, one back. Like, I'm just not... Because I think that's, that, I mean, against control, that is potentially lights out, right? They're going to have to run, like, a sweeper that hits walkers, and pretty soon. Like, I've been testing Storm's Wrath, for example, because I kind of feel like you you just need something like that in order to ever come back from that card being cast. Storm's Wrath is also just a really good card at the moment. Um, yeah. So you very quickly get these two. Then some people have said, well, um, for example, we, uh, you co-wrote an article with uh, Sam, I believe. Yep, I want to um, go Sam. And one of the things he said is that, yeah, but I don't think Obnixilis is very good against aggressive decks. And I don't actually know if that's true. Because the thing is with the plus one, it says if you control a demon or a devil, you gain two life. Well, if you just minus the original Obnixilis and then plus the copy, you now have a devil. So you have two one you have a one loyalty planeswalker and a two loyalty planeswalker, and you have the devil as a chum blocker, and you've just gained two life. And if your opponent doesn't like kill the Obnixilas, you have the potential of gaining four life next turn. If you have either maybe you didn't need to block with the devil, or you have another way to get a devil, maybe you play like the three mana Tibalt if you're gonna be really cute. Mayhem Devil. 
is also a devil. So that is very powerful. So I think this card's just kind of good against everything, basically, except Winoda. And it's probably not great against Phoenix. So sure, those are two big players in the format, right? Winoda, Phoenix, Lotus Field. These decks care less about Obnixilis. But I think this clock is faster than people than people think. No, yeah. I, I think this card is extremely good. It's gonna be very fucking annoying. Cause if you're just your opponent is gonna have like gonna have these draws where they have two planeswalkers on turn three and some semblance of a board, and you're just gonna be like, how like my opponent just has like 17 permanents in play, and I just made my second land drop, right? Like what the fuck do I ever do against this? Kind of the same with, like, Junt Food can have that idea, too. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I think I... this card's ridiculous. One thing, though, when you play against this card, which is pretty interesting, if they have two Obnixilis out, and they um, plus or minus one of them, that does give you a window to kill the copy without it ever having a, some, done something, which obviously usually a thing that's very strong about Planeswalkers, like, oh, I play them, I immediately minus them, like, there's no priority for my opponent there to do anything. Obnixilis does actually give priority because it's two walkers entering at the same time. So there is a chance to shoot one before the other does anything. Obviously, if I said just with the aggressive deck, if they play two Obnixilis, minus one to put the devil in play, intending to gain life from the other one, you could just wild slash it in response and then they don't get to do that plus thing to gain life yeah, so in the um <clears throat> in the article we wrote uh it, it was less of a spoiler review article because the name of the article was um uh, two sides of the same coin and then uh semicolon obnixilis the adversary and the idea was it was more so a focus on how evaluating cards this early on in spoiler seasons, every time we get new sets, that kind of thing, is incredibly difficult because you have my side of the article where I'm pro-Opnixilis saying I think it's going to be great in Rakdos Sack. I'm kind of listing some of the like lines we just talked about, like the turn one Epicure into you know turn two uh, the Anvil, that whole thing. Um, and then the potential building around it. Maybe it could even be good enough to try it to go into, into a Rakdos mid range. Um, just like lowering your curve a little bit. I was suggesting maybe you replace uh, Chandra uh, with this instead, because I've been talking to Ekros and Ekros thinks Chandra's a trap in Rakdos mid range. And the more and more I thought about it, I kind of agree a little bit because more often than not, I'm actually down ticking Chandra to kill something. Um, so I'd rather have something lower to the curve anyway, and like just more removal in general. But that's besides the point. And then you have, you know, uh, Sam talk about the downsides of the card. And like, it's just showcasing that we're both pretty enfranchised magic players. Sam is an MTGO grinder and he's 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 won pretty big events on uh, on challenges and stuff like that. He's a very good player. Um, I've been playing for a, a long time and like we, we talk about this every week. And I I I I I. Take pride in that I'm a I'm a pretty good magic player. Um, I, I don't do MTGO grinding and things like things like that. I don't have quite the resume that Sam does, but I, I do think I'm pretty good in terms of um card evaluation in the sense of like the philosophy of like formats. Like what we do every week, Alex. We look at all these cards and all these like decks, and we kind of like give our take on like, do we think this is gonna be a player that sticks around? 
Um, like, why is this card popping up more? Why is this deck popping up more? So that's where I take myself, or that's where I pride myself, and I, I both of us, for that matter, with this podcast and the, how we analyze the formats. But that article was mostly to showcase how fucking hard it is to evaluate things and how easy it is for someone to view one card as just inherently broken and busted. Well, another person of similar or even better experience or whatever can have a completely polar opposite effect. How many people have you met before, Alex, and you're playing Magic, uh, of all the years you've been playing, that want Thoughtseize banned, right? I know someone who, uh, who thinks Lightning Axe is broken. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Like, evaluation is hard. <laughs> that's an opinion you can have. Exactly. So that's where the main focus of the article was. Um, one thing I didn't talk about in the article... I felt like I didn't have time to because we we I'll admit we we rushed it for lack of a better word I don't think it, we really rushed it rushed it because we put it up a few days after the spoiler came out but we we kind of fast tracked it a little bit because we wanted it to come out with it still being timely about the spoiler and stuff. One thing I I left out that I wish I kind of expanded on more was the idea of a build around potential with Obnixilis that's not a genuine like Rakdos sacrifice deck. But also not this pipe dream bullshit of like rotting registrar and like big creatures to get as high of loyalty as possible. But rather like a Rakdos aggro deck. Like I was thinking like take a page out of mono black aggro's book, right? And like recursive threats and like, you know, uh Blood Soak Champion, Dread Wanderer, um, Scrappy Scrounger, cards like that to sacrifice uh to Obnixilis that can come back and continue putting pressure on your opponent that way. Um, I, I think that's a very interesting avenue to go with this card. Um, and yeah, the card's narrow. The, it's a pretty narrow effect. It's a pretty narrow Planeswalker where you want to play it. The obvious home right off the bat is, is sacrifice, but it still has some playability to it and some, some build around potential. And I think this is, going to be a card that's going to do some pretty disgusting things in Pioneer, and I'm sure someone's going to find a home for it that might not seem super obvious to us, um, which is the nature of this game. Again, why evaluation is so difficult. And then we just kind of see it start putting up, you know, uh, results. All right, so to get the Planeswalkers out of the way, because I believe there's there's three in this set, the third Planeswalker... Brad, what does Vivian on the Hunt do? It does things. Seemingly powerful things. You like Birthing Pod, Alex? I've never played with a card, but it looks cool. Well, Vivian does that the turn she comes in. So, Vivian Call of the Hunt or Huntress, what the fuck is your name again? Vivian on the Hunt, which is just on a very hunt. awkward name for a... Especially because it doesn't have a comma. So it almost looks like it's her name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nice. She is a six mana planeswalker, four double green for a legendary planeswalker Vivian in her iconic pose that we see in every single Vivian art. It's Vivian her. with bow. With a, she has a bow. She has an arrow. She's she's Vivian. And I'm so fucking sick of this art concept. I get it. I get it. You got to have her in doing her iconic bullshit. Like you, you're not going to have Chandra on an art of, uh, of a planes, a new planeswalker with Chandra and have her not be on fire. I get it. <laughs> but for the love of Christ, give me something else other than her 
dramatically holding bow and arrow. Can you have her like what's what's a random enemy of whatever set she's in? Have her jamming a fucking bow with her or not the bow like the arrow with her bare hand into the skull of like an eternal or some shit. Give me something <laughs> cool. No, dramatic. Anyway, holding Brad, bow what's and the arrow. card do for loyalty. Oh. Yeah, her plus two is you know. Birthing pod. It is, you may sacrifice a creature if you do. Search your library for a creature card with mana value equal to one plus the sacrifice creature's mana value. Put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. Plus one is a mill five cards, then put any number of creature cards milled this way into your hand. Minus one, create a four four green rhino warrior creature token. Um, this card is not being talked about nearly as much as I feel like it should be. I get it. It's six mana. Um, oh. So it's like it's so it's slow. Expensive. Yeah, like, but it's powerful. It does a lot of shit. I mean, it does a lot, but like, this is like the top end of some green mid-rangey deck that like Neo forms its weak cards into its mid-rangey threats. Um, I don't know. This is good. like, yeah, it's strong. Like, the, the I mean, if you play this card for six. And you just minus one it four times, you got 24, uh, 16, 16 worth of stats for six mana. I was like, yeah, that's great, but it did cost you four turns, so you're now on turn 10 before you can attack with everything. Like turn nine when you've down ticked it to be gone, but. I don't know. At that Maybe point, I'm just. Um... My, your opponent casts an Ulamog and gets rid of two of your rhinos, and you're like, hmm. Uh, yeah, but maybe if you go, if this can go into like a more traditional mono green devotion like Walker list, where you're not playing Storm the Festival, and you can get her out on like turn four, right? Um, then that's probably pretty powerful. Um, I I think I think she will have a home somewhere to be tried, and I think that's the most obvious one. Is, is like kind of take go back to the traditional version of that mono green list, because I mean, it's a minus one make a four four body. I think that's 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 it's a token. I get it. You push it, whatever. But it's still that's still good. Um, it can protect itself. Uh, milling five cards and just grabbing any number of creature cards milled into your hand is pretty nice. Yeah, um, I think an important note for people when you build around this card, I wouldn't go too crazy on that. It says like you like you need to run like I don't know, 15 creatures to reliably hit one. Mm-hmm. So like I wouldn't go overboard and like try and jam like eight extra creatures in my mono green devotion deck. Like nah, yeah. you're you're all right if you hit like like a like well, a dork and a cavalier and then you're happy. Yeah, I think the big thing is like if you hit, okay, I would put it this way: you you're not gonna plus her plus one the turn she comes down. Nope. I think the turn she comes down, it's either the plus two or the minus one. Um, so either get a you you basically want to get a body immediately in front of her for protection or to kind of add more to to the board. Um, if she survives the next turn, that's when I would look at maybe looking at that plus one, and if you just hit a big creature in mono green, like a Cavalier or like an Elder Gargaroth or whatever, or like, even if you're going back to like the, the, 
like what if like what if this is like a top end of like a bit more aggressive like the steel leaf champion kind of like thing where you're still playing like devotion and stuff um like hitting something like that and just being able to play it because then now you could just plus it beginning your turn then like tap nick those float, float a bunch of mana you added some creatures to your hand and then you kind of go from there um i think that's where that's kind of cool um again i know it's really expensive but in a green deck that can get around turn four um i think that's uh I think that can be fine. I don't see why not. Maybe. I don't know, I'm not sold. Um, if you like Popper, there's some cool lands. Yeah, there's I'm some, there's go some over cool lands in here. Um, let's see. Commander spoiler, some the basics, the non full art basics. They're pretty cool. We talked about Evelyn. We got Maestro's then, Ascendancy. No, okay. Shall I just do my Grixis rant now to have it over with? Because this is most of the cards. But there's yeah, a lot sure. of rares. Four is yours. Okay, so if I grab the Grixis cards, and I'm going to already skip over some. Okay, um, Asterix here. This is opinion of salty control player that got fewer cool cards than he imagined. Um, the... Basically, all the rares and mythics, except the triome, suck. And, like, not just suck. They suck, suck. Like, they are so fucking atrocious. It is a joke. Um, Maestro's Diabolist is blue-black-red gra- uh, blue, for a 1-4 Death Touch Haste. And when it attacks... If you don't control a devil, you get a tapped and attacking devil. Like, this card could have been a 3-4, and it could have not had a limit on the devil it makes, which is already, like, so nonsensical that that limit is there, and it would still suck. Uh, And that's, like, a recurring theme with these. The Maestro's Ascendancy, I don't even fucking know. I'd have just made a different card. Um, Cut of the Prophets is a Maestro card, which is like the most overcosted X draw spell of all time. Um, it is X black black, and it has casualty three. You draw X cards and you lose X life. Like just compare the efficiency of this and painful truths, which is just I know it's converged, so you need to be running more colors and can't do the mono black. But we're talking Grixes here, right? Painful truths. You cast it for Grixes, draw three, lose three for three mana, and then this. It's like, yeah, but I can pay X equals three and then sack a strong creature because it has casualty three and then lose six, draw six. But you have just spent five mana and a good creature. It's fucking garbage. Uh, Cut your losses is six mana. uh, Mill half someone's library casualty two, uh, obviously. This isn't an instant kill because you mill 75% of someone's library. So it doesn't matter. It's got casualty two. You put it in mill, which signature creature has zero power. So wonderful. Awesome. Awful card. We talked about Evelyn. That card sucks. Uh, Cormila Glamour Thief is four mana for a two four with haste. You could pay one tap add Grixis colors. This is this is an uncommon, but I'll mention it quickly. Uh, and when she dies, you can return an instant or sorcery from your graveyard to your hand. This card isn't terrible because you can pay for herself early. It's just h- hard to find the room, but this is honestly, this could be like a cool commander. You've got some loops with it. This card's fine. This card's cool. Um, 
Xander, we already talked about last week, card's ass. Uh, in basically every possible way, this card is bad. And then Brad, the, the blood boiler. I don't know if I can get the words out of my mouth to read out Hostile Takeover. Can you please do it for me? Well, I fume. Oh, boy. It is a... Uh... Is a five mana, two, then Grixis colors. Sorcery. Up to one target creature has base power and toughness, one, one, until end of turn. Then, up to one other target creature has base power and toughness, four, four, until end of turn. Then, Hostile Takeover deals three damage to each creature. Brad, three. Um, three! Yeah. It doesn't even hit Walkers. On a five mana sweeper. And this is my issue with this card. This is my biggest issue. Alex, you are the Grixis control player, of course. Um, what creatures do you run in your deck? Couple large ones, like three. Okay. Uh, Nickelbull's Ravenger is a 4-4, is a four, 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 correct? Four. Okay, so let's turn our 4-4 four, four into a 4-4. Four, four. Cool. That's <laughs> what we're going to help dodge the sweeper. Or we can um, shrink our gear oak. Do a four you can four. shrink your gear hulk to help still, I guess, dodge the sweeper. Um, then let's let's say you wanted to play something that wasn't, you know, in your current list. Let's say you took a page out of I don't know um, the is it control deck going around. They play four thing in the ice. Surely that's gotta be get, no. That's an O four. It'll dodge the sweeper. Okay, so fuck. Um, what Jace. what else could you play? Uh, maybe you want to play but, Crackling Drake as a finish. Oh, that's a four toughness. Okay. I mean, um, even like even if we look for standard, because they're like, oh, we base cards around standard. This card is in the same standard as Burn Down the House, which is five mana, five damage to all creatures and all planeswalkers, which has been basically a staple of Red Sweepers. Yeah, like Red Sweepers, a lot of them now are pretty good because they also hit planeswalkers, which especially with the Obnixilis coming out is potentially going to be super relevant this card could have genuinely been a three drop like because three damage for three mana is the normal rate and then the fact that you dipped into two extra colors should give you the reward that you can kill one thing that was a little too large to dodge your sweeper and that would have probably been pretty decent and then you get this garbage card for five mana that could arguably be three mana, uh, three mana, definitely be four mana. And on the same fucking day, white gets its oomphteens version of Wrath of God. Yeah. And I'm like, is, I'm so hello. <laughs> this card just like, makes this... me mad. All these Grixis cards make me mad. Like... Holy shit, Maestro Diabolus could have more power, not the stupid restriction. Maestro Ascendancy should be a different card. Cut of the Prophet should have had a black mana strip from its casting cost and a lower casualty cost. Cut your losses should have probably had a casualty cost of zero. Hostile Takeover should be less mana, and Xander should be less mana or have more stats, and all the instances of Rounded Down should be rounded up. And most of these cards would still be bad. Like, Jesus... I'm surprised they didn't omit Grixis from the fucking Triome cycle. <laughs> Just like, now nah, you get that like sack gain land for a basic. You can, that'll do. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm we just mad, forgot. Brad. We forgot. Uh, to, to, to talk about Depopulate, by the way, which is the four mana Wrath of God effect. It's a sorcery. It's Wrath of God. But it has, of course, what they like to do in the standard sets is not give you Wrath of God. That'd be fucking insane. We have to put a pseudo downside on the card, though. 
this um, could actually be an upside upside in some decks. Uh, depopulate to double white. Each player who controls a multicolor creature draws a card and then destroy all creatures. Um, yeah, can we stop? Just, <laughs> just give here's us my Wrath opinion. Of God. Just print Wrath of God into standard and damnation every corset or whatever your replacement for a corset is every year. I'm tired of it. Who cares? Like we've talked about this, right? With play design or the design team and stuff. They've seemingly gone above and beyond of what cards do nowadays. If the evaluation of cards now is no longer is it's not just how are the stats in comparison to its cost? Is it a four, 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 four? Are you climbing the ladder in stats? Are you playing? Are you getting a four, three or a five, four, three or five, four for three mana? That kind of thing. It's no longer that shit. Your card has to do something. The turn it comes down. And is the, is the thing that it does beneficial enough to altering the board state in your favor by either drawing you cards, giving you card advantage or putting you ahead of your opponent by destroying something, um, taxing them, something like that. And then on top of which, the complaint, of course, over the last few years of this design, and we've gotten a little bit past fire design. They've done a wonderful job with design top to bottom from the, you know, for the most, most part. The complaint was, maybe we should have better removal options, better sweepers, better things that can combat these types of uh, these types of cards that generate value so quickly to kind of allow other types of decks to pull back again. And we get those in things like March of Otherworldly Lights. We get Fateful Absence. We got an uncounterable destroy non-land target, uh, target non-land permanent in this set in the Esper colors. We have, um, we have a bunch of, I mean, we have like things like Dovin's Veto. This just says, fuck you. I'm going to counter. It's a, you know, it's an uncounterable negate. We have those cards and they've seemingly upped the value of we're going to match this kind of, you know, this tug of war battle or trying to balance the scales between cards that come down and cards that get rid of those cards that come down in terms of power level, except for the sweepers. They have to still have this random downside. No. Keep up with the way magic is played now. And just fucking give us vanilla, damnation, and wrath of God every single year. It doesn't matter. It won't change anything. What is it going to do for standard? Who cares if what it does for standard, actually? You don't fucking give a shit about it enough to actually have it in your pro tour beyond the entry level play if your store decides to run it. So who cares? Print yeah, them. It's... But to uh, to move like move on the discussion a little bit because I, I I do agree, but I also say I am not very invested in standard. I do know that stuff like Me Too Massacre is like super obnoxious standard right now. Granted, that's because it gains you life, so yeah. it's not like it's not the vanilla sweeper part that's making that card obnoxious. It's the fact your opponent gains fifteen life when they cast it, um, and it sticks around because it's a permanent rather than just being a spell like Fumigate. Um, but there are good cards in the Grixis colors. Uh, Maestro's Charm is a fucking heater. Uh, I'm not going to read out all the cards, but Grizzly Sigil is cool. Rob the Archives is cool. 
uh, a little chat is cool. Um, there's Make Disappear, which is a cool card. Rooftop Nuisance, so that's probably more of a draft card. A uh, bunch of really cool cards with the casualty mechanic on it. I'm just a bit set that most of the rares, which often are like the more fun and interesting cards, right? There's very few against the odds where he's building around a common, right? So yeah. like the, the flashier cards and also often the three color cards, right? Yeah, Grizzly Sigil is good, but it's a mono black card. And I was just really excited for a bunch of Grixis colored cards to give you a reward for fully diving into these three colors. And most of those cards are just ass. And especially <laughs> because the Esper ones are mostly good. Like, yeah, that's, most that's of the Esper tempting. ones are good, or about as good as they would be. Most of these cards feel like they're literally just not on rate. And then you see the Esper cards, and I think the past few days we've had a lot of the Jund cards, and a lot of those are like decent raid, they're fun, they're interesting, they're a cool reward for going into Grixis. And I think all the Maestro cards are just going to be like, oh, I put this black card in the Jund deck, but like it's got the Maestro watermark. And that just makes me sad. Just makes me sad. I was super hyped for this set literally because of the colors, and then I see this, and I'm like, I'm still... Kind of excited, but just I'm just getting a lot less. Than nothing, I nothing will encapsulate your feelings for how you feel like your favorite color combination is getting shafted more so than pretty much being spoiled at the exact same time. You have the Esper uh, card of Void Rend, which is what we we're just talking about. It is white, blue, and black. Instant. This spell cannot be countered. Destroy target non-land permanent. That's what Esper gets. Okay? That's a great card. It's probably top five card in the set. Easy. Okay? Really good. And then, at the exact same time, spoiled his Fatal Grudge, which, albeit is Rakdos, not Grixis, but it's a sorcery, black-red, as an additional cost of this spell, sacrifice a non-land permanent, each opponent chooses a permanent that shares that type, and they sacrifice it as well. And then you draw a card. It's 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 a worse. It's so much worse. I, I get it, it's two versus three, but okay. Let's let's go another one. Tainted indulgence is a two mana instant speed, blue and a black. Draw two cards and discard a card unless there are five or more mana values in your graveyard. Is that a is that a Grixis thing? I'm seeing a lot of like. Oh no, this is like, across the board. Um, is it? There's also, there's a lot of things that interact with five different mana values. The, um, the Esper Ascendancy, the Obscure Ascendancy, interacts with you having cast five different cards of five different mana values, which basically, mm -hmm. well, not necessarily. Uh, you can achieve it otherwise, but it's definitely made, like its design is like, you play this and then you play a one drop, two drop, three drop, four drop, five drop, and then you get like a payoff. Which, by the way, all those cards are basically unplayable. Unless they do something else too, yeah. Like five well, different I, I mana values in your play in your graveyard just, just doesn't that doesn't work. Like you'll basically never have that unless you're on like turn twelve, and it's like what, what doesn't fucking matter what your cards do on turn twelve as long as their mana value is high, they're sling them. I mean, even the three mana sweeper for Naya is better than the one you got. 
Yeah, it's just it's so weird that you see Void Rent, which is just a very good card, obviously, because it deals with basically anything. It can be countered, so it avoids ward, which is, you know, replacing hexproof a lot. So like, you know, you could just decline to discard a card to Draveyard Trespasser and the spell still resolves because it doesn't yep. get countered. So it's on rate, it's good, it, it's clearly like in its best form, right? It, it's very hard to print a better version of this card. And then you see all the Grixis cards, and you're like, oh, I could definitely print a better version of this card. <laughs> like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but that it, is a personal grudge. Um, there's a lot of cards to cover, weird. so let's uh, try and hop on. I'll see where I left off. Um, um, we were down by the Ascendancies. Oh, the, green, um, the green hideaway card. That's a cool one to touch on. Um, fight Rigging. Two and a green for an enchantment with hideaway five. So again, look at top five, XL one. Once you meet the requirement, you can cast it. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put a 1-1 one, one counter on target creature you control. Then if you control a creature with power seven or greater, you may play the exiled card without paying its mana cost. This is like super easy, rotting, regisaur, malarkey, and you just like immediately get it, right? Yeah. I think there's some ogre brute in this set, which is a four power six, a uh, four mana six power creature. Uh, you play that power. on three. Three, mar- three, mar- three power six, cre- uh, six five with menace. And it says uh, when it attacks, uh, your opponent can choose to untap it, uh, take it out of combat, and then you draw a card. Yeah. So, like, that triggers it immediately. Like, there's a bunch of cards here that, like, trigger this basically immediately. And then you get to cast anything off the top for free, which could literally be an Ulamog, right? And then you just get to cast that, which is pretty cool. And I mean, this could even see play in the sense of like just for that beginning of combat, like a Lumeric Aspirant kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And stuff that that, that that fair plan can still work as well, even after the hideaway has been done. So. Uh, another really cool card is Professional Facebreaker. Probably probably my pick for best flavor in the set. It's a uh, three mana, two and a red for a human warrior. Uh, two three with menace whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player create a treasure token you may sacrifice a a treasure uh, sacrifice a treasure uh, exile the top card of your library you may play that card this turn Um, so it's the flavor is sweet because it's just literally beating the payment out of people that like they need to pay up for to like the the mob basically and then you get to reap the reward of returning that payment to your boss and getting something out of it. Like, that's that's sweet. Like, you cash it in. Yeah, it's also just... Uh, I, I don't think this card is particularly great, but I do like the idea of having, like, a card advantage engine that fits in an aggressive deck that you can hit off Collected Company, right? That ticks a lot of boxes. Yeah. Or, like, what well, this is a human and a warrior. We've seen a lot of warriors in these junt colors. There's obviously a lot of humans. So some humans or warriors aggro-y deck right this goes quite well in a deck that would feature a card like mantis rider which is obviously very good at reliably hitting your opponent yeah just a cool card i like it i will say i'm pretty happy with uh, the way the mythics have been in this set because they're mostly bad and yeah. i don't feel like i have to have a, a, a me hook massacre situation uh with this set Unless you play Commander, and then there's that, that green one, the six-mana one that just makes your lands tap for treasure tokens. Seems pretty fucking absurd. Yeah, that card's going to be expensive. 
yeah, it's a mythic. It's it's going to be immediately any green deck's going to want to run it in commander. I can't imagine you wouldn't. Um, so sucks to suck, I guess, if you play commander. Um, then there's a arcane bombardment, which is a bad mythic, uh, but could be good at commander. I don't know. Six mana, four double red enchantment. Uh, whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery spell each turn, exile an instant or sorcery spell card at random from your graveyard, then copy each card exiled with arcane bombardment. You may cast any number of the copies without paying their mana costs. So, a little sad slow. and constructed. Fucking mental if you go off for two turns. Especially because it's each turn. So you can Probably do this on your opponent's track turn. And paper. Sorry? I said it's probably not fun to track in paper. Um, you need to like put your graveyard out and then roll a dice. But if there's like 25 spells in your graveyard, it's going to be really annoying to pick a card at random. I'm going to roll three d20s. <laughs> uh, did we talk about the... Uh, you said the you didn't like the Meister's Ascendancy, but it is... Uh, I feel like we have to go over it because it is one of the cycles. And some of these Ascendancies are cool. Um, real quick, it, they're all the ascendancies are just like the original ones. They are triple uh, the color of whatever the shard or wedge is. In this case, it's Grixis. One blue, black, and a red. So it's uh, enchantment once per turn uh, during or once during each of your turns. You may cast an instant sorcery spell from your graveyard by sacrificing a creature in addition to paying its other costs. If a spell cast this way would be put into your graveyard, you exile instead. So it's like a bad. Um, I don't know. I guess you play this with like Pyromancer. Yeah. So like what I've seen people talk about with this card is that you can play this with Pyromancer and then Pyromancer provides the creature you sack every turn. Uh, the problem with this is that this card is just incredibly slow. Um, keep in mind if you play this and then cast a card of it immediately, that's still only parody, right? You haven't actually gained anything until you go to your next because you've used a card and you've gotten a card but you have paid three mana so the tempo is super low but if i'm playing a deck with pyromancer i'm just gonna play village rise and deadly dispute and just sacrifice those tokens to that so the the value is very minimum it requires you to have a graveyard um with relevant cards in it these relevant cards are going to be leaving your graveyard um it it just it it's just so like meh like yeah there's there's fun value times here like probably good in commander right where you will have the ability to like cast this on turn 17 and recast your cyclonic rift or something which you know you could only have one copy of because it's commander right there's there's value there but like I mean, I often talk about 2018 magic cards when they're, like, slow in value. I don't think this card would have been good in 2018. So it's definitely not good in 2022. Yeah. Um, this is... Whatever. I mean, if I'm going to play a three-mana card in my Rakdos uh, Pyromancer deck or, like, Dreadwood Arcanist and all this stuff, I'm going to play uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Yes. It's going to be a recurring theme with some of these enchantments, I think. Yeah. Um, going up, we have another mythic, um, all seeing arbiter. It is 
four double blue for a creature avatar with flying. It's a five four. Whenever all seeing arbiter enters the battlefield or attacks, draw two cards, then discard a card. Whenever you discard a card, you, uh, target creature and opponent controls gets minus X minus O until your next turn, where X is the number of different mana values among cards in your graveyard. Limited bomb? I guess. It's probably extremely good and limited, but outside of it, it's come on, right? Six mana, sorcery speed, blue card, mystical disputes in the format, like, no. Nope, not playing this. Not even close to playing this. I would not play this if it was a four drop, probably. <laughs> Maybe I'd consider it. And then I'm going to skip, cut your losses. The mill thing doesn't work like you want it to. You only mill 75% of their deck rather than... Which is like a lot, but you're paying six. And at that point, you've already been milling your car, your opponent. Yeah. So like um, that actually diminishes the value of that card because it comes down so late. Like, when you've reached that six mana casting point, you've already been doing milling, and at that point, you actually want to cast cards that mill for a flat amount. Like, a glimpse the unthinkable to mill your opponent for 10, because you've already been at it, you've probably, they've drawn a couple cards, you've probably already milled them for 20, 30 cards, and then spending six mana to basically, like, mill 10 or 15. Like, I'm just going to play Tasha's Hideous Laughter, and for six mana, I'm just going to, like, fork it and just cash... Tasha Shitty's left her twice, and that's going to get me way further than this crap. <laughs> One card I want to touch on real quick, not because it's good, but because I think it's so funny looking. It's a Forge Boss. It's a bad Mayhem Devil impersonation. Uh, <laughs> four mana, two black-red for a 3-4 Human Warrior. Whenever you sacrifice one or more other creatures, Forge Boss deals two damage to each opponent. This ability only triggers once per turn. That's that last line is fucking atrociously <laughs> disgusting. I also love the art. It's just angry man with a shovel. That's what I want to talk about. If you look at the art, it looks like the worst custom magic card I've ever seen. It it looks like it could be part of like the, the walking dead secret lair. Yeah. It like doesn't because it's just a dude like, with a shovel. It, it's literally just a guy with a shovel. Well drawn, well drawn. Guy with a well, shovel. Is that a right? shovel? Like, no, that's a hammer. It's a hammer. It's a, oh, I guess it's a it's hammer. A for, yeah, it's because he's a forge boss. It's a, it's a forge hammer. Oh, I was thinking like you're shoveling coals into the ovens. No. But he's got the anyway, like him. well drawn, right? Artistically well done. But like, this it's would make for like place. a badass portrait of someone. Yeah. But um, it is a bit of a weird one. Then we have a mythic. That's finally good. Um, in Constructed. It's Luxior uh, Giada's Gift. Is that how you pronounce those two words? I guess. <laughs> sure. <laughs> those are words, it's a, Brad. <laughs> it's a one-mana legendary artifact equipment. It's our favorite thing about Elspeth. She loves just accepting random gifts if it's a weapon. so Yeah, and uh, it'll it. turn Maybe. out fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yep. Uh, so Legendary Artifact Equipment, one mana. Uh, equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each counter on it. And then Equipped Permanent isn't a Planeswalker and is a creature in addition to its other types. Loyalty abilities can still be activated. And its Equipped Planeswalker cost is only one, where its regular equip cost is three. Monogreen Walkers, shoe in for the deck. 
Grab with Karn. I would, yeah. Oh, grab okay, with Karn. Alex. That's cool. Yeah, grab a Karn, and I'm putting this on my Kiora. Mm, that's cool. And then the thing is, because it's not a Planeswalker anymore, they it can't be attacked by your opponent's creatures, so it gives it protection. Um, spells that only say destroy Planeswalker um, won't hit it. Um, and uh, so I think that it's, it gives this weird pseudo almost protection to it. And then you could also actually use things like, you know, protection spells like God's Willing and stuff like that to like... I, I do like this a lot for the card board. Yeah, like, that's where I like it. I don't know if I'm going to... I would see it anywhere else, but it is a cool card to grab with Karn. Uh, fire Super Friends. With Karn? I mean, yeah, probably. I, I don't um, know if I want to be spending even, one even of my main. two spells that I get to cast in a turn on a one drop. And True. this card sucks well, in multiples. I mean, like you want yeah. certain card quality in your deck when you're playing fires. But maybe. I mean, I could I could totally imagine a Karn fires list. Which would like this, which would probably put this in the board. It's a build your own Gideon, basically. Um, I'm just scrolling up. Stop me if uh, if I get to a card and you're like, there's a card I want to talk about prior to that. Oh, I mentioned Shakedown Heavy. That's the Ogre Warrior 6-4 with Menace that whenever it attacks, they can take it out of combat. You draw a card. Um, uh, I want to <clears throat> quickly, which was technically spoiled earlier, uh, Obscura Ascendancy, the Esper one. Uh, on the Off the cusp, probably my pick for best Ascendancy. I don't think it is particularly close. Um, maybe the Banth one, um, but more of Build Around. Anyway, Obscura Ascendancy, white, blue, black, of course, Enchantment. Whenever you cast a spell... If its mana value is equal to the number of soul counters on Obscura Ascendancy plus one, put a soul counter on Obscura Ascendancy. Um, wait, whenever you cast spell, if its mana value is equal to the number of soul counters, put a soul counter on it. Then oh wait, actually, uh, sorry, this card is way worse than I thought because it has to be exactly the same. Anyway, uh, so if it has the same number of counters plus one. You put an extra counter on it, then create a 2-2 white spirit creature token with flying. As long as there are five or more counters on Obscura Ascendancy, all spirits you control get plus three, plus three. So the goal with this card, play it, cast a one drop, cast a two drop, cast a three drop, cast a four drop, cast a five drop, and now you have gained 25 power worth of flying tokens. Which is pretty absurd. Uh, I will say, I the first time I read this card, I thought it was just, if there's one counter on it, I can just cast a three drop, because it's more. But you have to be exactly one above it. So it's like Impending Doom. You've got an Hour of Devastation. So you have to go with this, and then one drop, two drop, three drop, four drop, five drop. Which limits it a little bit, but not terribly. I mean, think of Esper Control, right? They're going to have one mana cards, you know, their fatal pushes potentially, their portable holes, or uh, March is flexible. You can just overcast your March if you want to go higher. Uh, so they have their two drops for removal. They have their three mana counter spells. They have the Wandering Emperor on turn four, and March or Yorion or Teferi on turn five. So th they can fill out this curve pretty well, right? Without having to like put weird cards in your deck. 
maybe instead of sensor, you might want to run like a couple copies of opt or consider like kind of to just like fill out that one to like get the ball rolling because you've got a lot of two, threes, and fours. But other than that, pretty good. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting. Um, the only downside is like playing on turn three, you're no longer holding up your turn three like counter spells and stuff. Um, yeah, for sure. Though in the mirror against another control deck, I could actually see this being a consideration. So now I think actually uh, uh, the quick um, thing I noticed when playtesting my deck is that I've actually grown to like Narset a lot less, just because I find it very hard to find a spot to tap out for a three drop that can just eat Adovin's veto if your opponent wants it to. Right? If you yeah. go this on turn three, let's say your opponent's on the play. You go this on turn three, where you can basically already not cast it because you're running it into Sensor and Dovin's Veto. Let's say you're bold and you do. Your opponent Dovin's Veto's it, untaps, just plays a Wandering Emperor while you're tapped out. Like, yikes. Big yikes. Yeah, you feel really far behind. Um, let's see. We have... I actually haven't gotten a chance to really look at this card. Uh, Tola's Clever Conductor. It's another one of those hybrid ones, but for the uh, the Esper one, it's hybrid Azorius, blue, hybrid Demir. Legendary Creature, Human Rogue, 3-1. When it enters the battlefield, it connives. Whenever you discard one or more cards, exile them from your graveyard. When it dies, put the cards exiled into its owner's hand. This card's pretty nuts. Uh, yeah. It's a hard build around. It's good with connive, obviously. It's like designed with connive in mind it even does it itself what i think is very good about this card is that it's like it's um it's not restricted in any way so if you discard one or more cards they all get exiled rather than like having to pick one and when it dies you get all the cards back rather than having mm. to pick one from cards exiled with it which is something you would often like see in this design uh, I kind of joked, like, if this were a Grixis card, it would have definitely said that. But because it's an yeah. Esper card, it doesn't. But that, you know, grudge aside, I'll recover from this, don't worry. Um, <laughs> I think that's what I like about this card. If you think of the um, of the Legendary 2 that's in this, um, like, the house, like, boss monster kind of thing, which gets a knife trigger every turn... I think you can start getting like a lot of value out of this card, but might have to leave it for standard. And maybe not. Maybe mm. Esper Hero? <laughs> this uh, plus the... Even, even plus then, plus I'd be, I wouldn't want to because it has to die. And there's a lot of exile shit going around. That's fair. And if, this, if they march this card, I'm just going to scoop... Because I'm ashamed. <laughs> that that's that's how it feels. I run up a deadly dispute, Brad. Um, one card I think is really really cool and actually really powerful. Uh, Illuminator of Vitruso. Uh, it's a one and a white for a one one human rogue with double strike. Whenever <laughs> Illuminator of Vitruso becomes the target of a spell uh, that you control, uh, it connives. So. I think that could be really cool in like a feather deck. Um, you you could even go in a route where it's a little different of a feather deck. 
um, where it's a bit more built around um, the connive mechanic. But how many connive mechanic or how many connive cards, I should say, are in Boros? Not a lot, because you have to go with the mono white cards. Yeah. So maybe, um, but I mean, I think it's it's pretty neat. On the flip side of it, there's another um, connive card that I think is actually much better than it looks. Uh, Rafine's Informant. If you want to run a, a deck that's built around connive or like that discard thing where you want to, to, to make use of this, uh, this, this these connive cards or like just this mechanic in general, this is a card I think you would run. Uh, it's a two-mana, one and a white, just like the other one. For a human wizard, it's a two-one. Enters the battlefield, it connives. So a lot of the times if you're building around the connive there's a incredibly high chance this is a three two for for two when it comes down right yeah i think this is very reminiscent of um professor of symbology from strixhaven Mm -hmm. um obviously instead of learn uh which is discard draw instead of getting to go to your sideboard this is always draw discard which i think is generally more obviously draw discard is better than discard draw most of the time uh i think the literal only exception is dredge where you rather discard first but i don't know yeah if you're building around connive i'm just like what does building around connive look like is that like madness it could be because then i'm a bit worried because i believe all basically all the madness cards are like in Grixis colors. I think there's very few white madness cards. I can't yeah. actually think of some. I, I, I can only think of black and red and one blue one from like Tempest or something. Yeah, I'm not sure then. Um, I mean, you can go like Orso of Madness and then the white cards are setting up the black cards. That could work. Doing some Asylum Visitor stuff. Alms to the vein. Yeah, then like the hybrid stuff can work. I mean, you you could do like Esper Madness, I guess. Just to get more connive cards in. Um I don't know. I maybe just something that makes use of discarding stuff. Um could be way simpler than we're thinking. Uh yeah, it could just be like a like setting up like some reanimation or soul flayery type of thing. Yeah, that could be it. Um, let's see. There's uh what is that? There's Unleash the Inferno, um, four mana, one Jun colors, uh, instant speed, unleash the inferno, deals seven damage to target creature or planeswalker. When it deals excess damage to uh, this way, destroy target artifact or enchantment and opponent controls with mana value less than or equal to the amount of excess damage. I don't know what to make this card. I think it's really, really interesting, really cool. Yeah, I love the design. Cool is. Like, um, we didn't get excess damage. We didn't get that, like, too long ago. Uh, we got a sorcery spell with Trample in an unset because they were kind of testing the waters of how, how cool this was. And then I believe we got that card functionally reprinted in Guilds of Ravnica. Um, and I like this take. Like, we also saw it in Kaldheim. I believe some of the giants had synergy with dealing excess damage. And then I think the red gods just straight up gave all your instants and sorceries trample. 
So I like this idea where they're going for. I don't know if this card is good. I definitely feel like this is like a sort of like testy card, right? Where I could totally see in like a year or two, they had some feedback, had some thinking about it. This card just gets functionally reprinted, but it does six damage and it's one mana less, right? They're just like testing the waters with this design. But I, I really love this idea. It's super fucking cool. Like, getting the decision of throwing, like, your removal spell at a weaker creature so you deal more access damage is just, like, a cool gameplay idea. Like, oh, I'm gonna throw this at, like, their one drop so I can, uh, like, their 1-1 one, one token. Let's say your opponent has, like, a Shark Typhoon, right? And they have, like, a 1-1 one, one Shark and an 8-8 eight, eight Shark. Well, I guess a 7-7 seven, seven Shark, because otherwise you wouldn't throw it at it. It's like, oh, I'm gonna throw it at the 1-1 one, one Shark instead of the 7-7, seven, because seven, it means I get to pop the Shark Typhoon. Like, things like that, I think, are pretty cool. Yeah. Um, there's one card I'm... I don't know. I, I, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier, where, like, evaluation is, like, it does something and the turn it comes in. The exception to that can be if you're cheating on mana so incredibly insanely, and... That's the only way I can see this card making sense. It's Shadow of Mortality. It is quite literally Death Shadow at home. Uh, 13 <laughs> black black for a 7-7 seven, seven avatar. If your life total is less than your starting life total, the spell costs X less to cast, where X is the difference. So you want to get down... If you can get down to 7 life, you can get this for 2 mana. So let's see how fast we get to 7. I, I think we can, the fast you can go is turn 3. If you go... Two bolt lands in your first two turns, that's six damage. Then Thoughtseize, um, that's two damage. Um, and then a shock land. Uh, so that's that's ten. Um, and you need like to cast like another Thoughtseize, I guess. So two Thoughtseize, two bolt lands, and a shock land in your first three turns or first two turns. Um and then That's a lot of work for a seven seven on turn three. Yeah, where you could just get a 7-6 on turn 3 with Rotting Registrar. So... This this uh, just looks like a calibrated blast buff for me in, like, modern budget decks. That's it. It's a 15-mana card. I mean, again, it is a 15-mana card. And just the fact that this has a CMC of 15 means you can do something with it, maybe. I think we have World Spine Worm. Mm -hmm. which is the other 15 CMC card. So we do already have the ability to do something with it. Maybe there is benefit to having a certain quantity of cards with a really high mana value. That just means this card is interesting because the number on the card is high. But unless you do something which basically only cares about the number on the card and literally like um, ignores the whole rest of the text box, I don't think you're going to be doing much with this. Very sad. Avatar Tribal. We did it. Oh, yes, please. Uh, then we have another sentency. It's Cabaretti Ascendancy. Uh, it's Naya Colors. Enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. If it's a creature or planeswalker card, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. If you don't put it on, uh, put it into your hand, you may put it on the bottom of your library. Um, so it's basically... Because it's a may put it into your hand the first time. Um, 
So it's essentially a three mana every turn. Scry one with sometimes draw. Yeah. Um. It's not a bad effect. I just feel like it's just slow. Yeah, it, it's it's glacial. Like it's it's we have um we've got three mana Domri with a very similar effect. Uh, that doesn't work on Planeswalkers. This does, which is a small upside. But why are you playing Planeswalkers in this deck if Cabaretti's all about tokens. having as many creatures as possible? Yeah, and tokens, which are quite regularly made through instants and sorceries. So, like, I don't know. Yeah, uh, flavor is cool, but also it's a mismatch in flavor. It's like this card is flavorful for Cabaretti on its own, and so are the other cards, but they're not flavorful with each other. <laughs> If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, Cabaretti Ascendancy and Cabaretti Charm absolutely never go in the same deck. No. So that, that's a bit, like, a weird thing about it. Um, Let's see. Is this one good? Is, is the Extraction Specials good? Tuna White... 3-2, lifelink, human rogue, enters battlefield, returns our creature card, mana 2 or less from graveyard to the battlefield. It cannot block, uh, attack or block as long as you control it. Uh, how, do we, how do we make this work? How do you make that work? I don't know. It kind of it like get your Thalia back. If you blink this, you do get it back, but it counts as a new game object, so the creature you got back can attack. Oh, you bring back Charming Prince. Hey. And then just blink it. For there you no go. Value. You bring back Charming Prince. You blink it. You bring back another Charming Prince. You blink that. There you go. You get all the princes back. But no, I don't think uh, this card is. I mean, it's fine, right? There's not. There's not something I would change about this card. It's just that, and and I I, I do really like the idea. Like, the flavor, too, that it can't attack. Like, the art, I think, is probably, like... Like, it's definitely, like, the rogues, like, rescuing someone, so, like, carrying them. That's why they can't fight. But that's all, like, pretty cool. Design's good. It makes sense. Just not really... Like, we don't really play cards like this anymore. Yeah. I just... I want it to be good. I don't know. There are some there are some parts of me where I'm like partially stuck in like 2018, and I'm like I, I long for these cards to be good again. Yeah, but the 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 thing is, it's not even that you can go back to standard because this card's also gonna suck in standard. It's just not uh, gonna keep true. up with what we. Maybe this is the type of card that like sees play as rotation happens because standard is at its smallest. And you have like a certain like density of good two drops and just like recycling those two drops as often as you can can be good. But Pioneer, and I I heard Aspiring Spike say this when he was testing Pioneer, and he's like, most two drops in his format are actually kind of bad. And like, there's obviously good two drops in, in Pioneer, but not like... There's not there's a lot of like, life. wow, two drops. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to put this decent three drop in my deck just because I want to recycle this two drop so badly. Abs and Delirium, we get back our thing 
Flare. Funny with Blood Tithe Harvester. Well, that's cool. But you can even, like, sack on turn three. So you play it on two, and then you untap on turn three. You sack it, and then you play this guy, you immediately get him back. I also really like the idea of, like, this, this rogue guy who, like, rescues this vampire from a building and, like, cradle position is carrying them out. <laughs> uh, here's a card that um, I'm mostly talking about real quick because I like the flavor text so much. Uh, and I also want to complain about it. Uh, angel of Suffering, Mythic, uh, three double black for a Nightmare Angel, super sweet, flying, five, three. If damage would be dealt to you, prevent that damage and mill twice that many cards. So here's my problem with this. Actually, we'll start with the positive. The positive is the flavor text is fucking awesome. Where it says, If you wish for blessings, mortal, ask your demon masters. We've given enough to your kind. So flavor text on this card, fucking sweet. It's menacing. It's awesome. It's it's great with the flavor of the card itself and the story and the lore. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, bad things. It's a five drop, five, three, that the whole idea of it is that you would think this is good against like a burn deck because it's preventing damage to your face. So you get the mill cards instead, which might be beneficial to the type of deck you're running. But the problem is it's a three, uh, three toughness creature in which it dies to all the types of removal that they're going to go to your face anyway. So what the fuck? Like you play this, they plus their Chandra. Oh, no, wait. Okay, they can't trigger Spectacle. Okay, cool. Then they'll just spend three mana on those keyword of critics and then. Yeah, like, like, <sighs> make it a five-five. It if it lives, it kind of reads like five mana, five-three, gain fifteen life, fifteen to twenty life. The problem is, it's not that because if this card would actually say five mana for a five-three, if it enters the battlefield, gain fifteen life, I would absolutely play it. <laughs> not this. Yeah, could you imagine if it was uh, instead of milling you? Uh... And instead of milling twice, it was just say you gain life equal to that damage. If you don't kill this, you yeah. are literally helping me. That would be oppressive as fuck, though. Like, I'm glad we don't do that. <sighs> cool flavor, though. So, yay. Uh, scrolling up, there's Void Red. Uh, one uh, quick card uh, yep. that was right above it is Ginny, uh, Ginny Faye. Jetmere second, which is the Naya hybrid card. So hybrid gruel, green, hybrid Celestia. So you could technically mono green this. 3-3 three, three Elf Druid. If you would create one or more tokens, you may instead create that many 2-2 two, two green cat tokens with haste or that many 3-1 dog creatures with vigilance. I think this one's pretty cool. It says any tokens, and there's quite some treasure generation, especially um the and this is where like this kind of overlap is cool, right? This card is a um, Cabaretti card, but it synergizes with any tokens, and a lot of the jumped cards, the Riveteer cards, they have a lot of treasure generators. And a lot of their treasure generators are in the Gruul colors. So now this is where you can like see this overlap happening, where it's like, hey, I, I'm generating treasures, but I no longer want treasures. I'm going to get cats instead. I think that's pretty cool. Solid card. Yeah. Um, I was for a very brief moment. I was like, maybe Winota. Instead of getting a treasure, you don't need it. You make a cat. It's another body to swing in trigger Winota. But like, it's uh, a three drop. Makes it a little awkward. Uh, the card next to it. I want to just point out one quick thing about it because it's cool. Scheming fence, white to the blue, for a two three human citizen. As it enters the battlefield, you may choose a non land permanent. Activated abilities of the chosen permanent can be activated. 
and Scheming Fence has all activated abilities of the Chosen Permanent, except for loyalty abilities. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to activate those abilities. Um, two cool things to note. Cool Saga of the Mirror Breaker you got there. I would like that effect, please. I think that's pretty yeah. neat. And this works on mana abilities, which we yeah, don't so see like, very uh, often. Turn so two, your dork is nothing now. Yeah, if you Those play, mana. and it's choose, so it even works against like Carrier did, because choose works around hexproof ward, that kind of thing. Oh yeah, that's nice. So just quirky rules wise, and maybe good. Maybe a good card. Oh, like certain this is... metas this card's gonna destroy, but those metas are very rare and might never happen. If there's a bunch of Niv going around, they're playing this motherfucker as the mirror breaker because not the fan. Mirror breaker. Mirror, mirror breaker shit. Um it's the <laughs> It's the mirror breaker in the sense of like, I'm gonna copy your carrotid. I was on the draw. Now I'm basically on the play. Let's go. That so is honestly that's... like a really cool interaction. I like that a lot. Yeah. So, uh, and it can be hit off of Niv, which, I mean, isn't... Oh, also, that... treasures are non-land permanents. Oh. So you could choose a treasure, and it's choose. Um, so, oh, but it is the chosen permanent. So it is for a specific treasure. Never mind. I thought it would like be like meddling mage with things with the same name. But you are really like even if your opponent has two carrier tits, you're only screwing over one carrier tit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, how often do they have, do they do double yeah, carrier yeah. tit? In which case, you're just kind of like whatever. Um, then there's the bootlegger stash. That's the one that's going to break commander, and every, everyone's like, "I'm so tired of treasure generation lands you control of tap create treasure tokens." Same though, I agree artifact. with these people. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't blame them for being burnt out on treasures. Uh, unlicensed hearse, I think, is a really cool scavenging ooze effect. Uh, it's colorless, so it goes on anything. It's a vehicle, uh, two mana, uh, star star. Uh, you may tap it, exile up to two target creatures from a single graveyard. A card. Oh, two target cards from a single graveyard. Unlicensed hearse power and toughness are equal to the number of cards exiled with it, and to crew two. So, it's a scavenging ooze you can activate for free immediately when it comes down it dodges creature removal like uh, unlike scavenging ooze and then you can just kind of keep it back as just like ways to like you know interact with phoenix they pitch a bird and you're like okay i'm gonna tap and just hit now or if they do get their spells cast off and then you can on the stack while phoenix about to come in you can tap eggs out before it comes in um and then later in the game you can start crewing it as like a big boy so i think that's i think this is actually a really cool card and i think it's pretty damn good uh, yeah, I you convinced me that this point. card is better. I initially looked at it as like, oh, whatever, I, it's fine. Uh, some graveyard exile malarkey, but especially the colorless nature of it really helps. And the crew, and the yeah. crew cost is very low. Yep, and it just gets bigger and bigger, and it can actually be a serviceable threat. Uh, then there's the sweeper that's better than the Grixis one for some reason, Incendent Aria, uh, or Aria. Uh, it's a it's a Naya one, so it's Naya colors three mana. Uh, red, blue, I'm sorry, red, green, white. Uh, sorcery deals three damage to each non-token creature. So if you're playing Naya tokens, it's like, sweet, we're getting through. That's cool. Uh, Fleet Foot Dancer is just a vanilla bunch of stuff. 4-4 four, four for a f- four mana, one Naya colors for a 4-4 four, four elf druid trample lifelink haste. This goes in Soul Flare instead of Goldspan, not Goldspan Dragon, but Gold Adult Dragon. We did um, 
Yeah, move forward thing with the next day. Um, this is a strange card in the treasure token department. A big score. This is literally unexpected windfall, but it's easier to cast. Like, it's unexpected windfall, but it's three and a red instead of two and two red. Same card. Really weird that they did that. Yeah, because Pirate's Pillage was this at sorcery speed, but it was three and a red, so, like, easier to cast, but unexpected windfall. Oh, but it's an instant, so you get the upside, but you we make it harder to cast, and now you're just like, nah, you get both. Very strange, and also I've seen a lot of people complain on Twitter that, like, cards like this is why standard sucks, because this allows people to just play, like, blue-red stuff, like, way too easily. Like, this definitely goes in the uh, stuff department. Like, yeah, I'll just play whatever, and I could probably, like, I never have a problem casting a card. Like, I could just put Meetook Massacre in my Izzet deck because I'll have treasures lying around whenever. Not, not, not sure what to make of this. Um, I will say the art for the Disdainful Stroke makes me realize how ugly Rafine is. Because I didn't realize... Rafine is at the Sphinx. Oh, this is like the floating head Sphinxy boy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I also, uh, I I did trick you with my shit post because I yes. sent this card in our in our chat and I was like, you know, I think this has a chance in Pioneer. There's a lot of, you know, spells that can hit. Hits Niv, um, hits Coco. I guess it was actually pretty Winona. impressive. You're like, you're like, Brad, read the card. I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you, you got me. I was like, has Brad really lost his fucking marbles, <laughs> right? Like, Card hasn't seen play in a while. Like, maybe he's forgotten, right? Got distracted by the beautiful art. Honestly, uh, even though you could say, like, Rafine isn't a very pretty boy, the art's really cool. Yeah, art is cool. Um, cool card, uh, uncommon from the John cycle, from the cycle of cards that exactly fit the house color. Crew Captain. Uh, red, black, green. For a human warrior, a 4-2 with haste, it has indestructible as long as it entered the battlefield this turn. This is just a really good aggressive card. It's probably going to get in for 4 and then trade with something next turn. You can hit it off Collected Company. I kind of like hasty creatures you can hit off Collected Company because it makes for interesting decisions on going for a Collected Company in your own turn. Yeah. Which I think is cool. Uh, this Don has to play, though, that if your opponent attacks, you Coco on their turn, and you hit this. It's indestructible as a blocker, which is also pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I like this card a lot. Um, Just clean. Clean, good card. Uh, then we have a really interesting sweeper, uh, Corpse Explosion. Uh, this probably should have been the Grixis sweeper, if I'm being honest. It would always be more interesting than the hostile one. Uh, it's one, uh, then a black and a red, so three mana sorcery. As an additional cost to cast the spell, exile a creature card from your graveyard, and then it deals damage equal to the exile card's power to each creature and each planeswalker. So like you were talking about earlier, like a lot of the red spells uh, for sweepers and things like that are dealing damage to planeswalkers too. That's very relevant, especially with Opnixilis coming into the fray. Um, I could see this card straight up being an option, in like Rakdos mid range or something like that. Like I don't think this is a bad card in the slightest. I think it's actually pretty good if you're in the right deck. And I, I I'm very interested in running it. 
and try it. You can really out. tailor it, which is like a very cool card about it. A cool part about it. Uh, also interesting is that this cannot be uh, interacted with with any graveyard hate, like instant speed graveyard hate, like a cling to dust, because the card you select is part of the cost. So you, you don't have to be worried that your opponent's gonna like fuck over your sweeper by cling to dusting your card or having a soul guide lantern in play or that type of effect, which I think is really cool. It sort of like negates the feels bad. We have good cycling cards. Yeah. Could even work in that. Um, I think, and it's black, oh, yeah, which like means you can tutor like it like with Mausoleum Secrets. Control. Like, it's also kind of cool that this is tutorable with Mausoleum Secrets, which is a which is a card that's kind of like waiting for people to do something stupid with it. There's only three CMC, you can cycle some creatures, it fuels the undergrowth, and then you have like a tutorable sweeper in your deck, which I think allows you to do some pretty cool things. And a lot of the uh, the cyclable creatures are one or two mana to cycle them, and they're usually like five, six, uh, six power, things like that. Yeah, you can have a uh, nasty sweeper on turn three, like really easily. Yeah, and you can be fine with this not being a turn three sweeper, and it can be a later game sweeper, and you're fine with it because the usually with three mana sweepers or lower the ground sweepers, like anger the gods, things like that. Eventually, they get out of range of it later in the game with bigger creatures. Yeah. Least the idea is that. Where this, you can cast it on turn five, turn six, and still just hit everything. So I, I, I like this card a lot. Um, I'm very interested in it. Uh, then there's probably my favorite card of the cycle of the hybrid creatures. Um, it's Ognus, uh, uh, the Dragon's Lash. Uh, one, uh, and then hybrid Rakdos, red hybrid Gruul. For a legendary creature via Shana Warrior, 3-3 three, three with haste. Whenever a creature you control with haste attacks, create a tap treasure token. Um, I, I just like this card a lot. I don't know why. I think the art is sweet. It's our first ever legendary Viashino um, in Magic's existence, which is kind of cool. Um, seems really, like a really fun commander, actually, even though I don't really care that much about commander. Um, and just kind of like a Captain Lannery Storm, but like fun. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. I, th I think it's a fun curve with Captain Lannery Storm. That's um, true. They do enter tapped, which is obviously very awkward, especially because there's yeah. only a few cards that create tapped treasure tokens. So um, definitely something to keep in mind when you're playing with these cards that your opponent might accidentally, like genuinely accidentally get their treasures untapped because we've had thousands of cards that give you untapped treasures, and then we suddenly get tapped treasures. Imagine a deck with... Because um, this could technically be a mono-red card, right? But let's say it's Rakdos, okay? And let's play things like... Um, just like hasty stuff. Like Lannery Storm, more treasure-making. Uh, um, Red Horde Butcher? Sphere. What was that? Red Horde Butcher? Red Horde Butcher. Um, and then you're just being a super aggressive deck... And you just randomly have like one or two Revel Enriches at your top end to just, <laughs> just drop for no reason, just in case you just kind of fizzle and like run out of steam. I mean, honestly, though, like as much as we're trying to do things with this, and this card is cool, it is a four mana three three. Yeah. Which I'll be honest, this card could have been a four four, right? It's also legendary. So, yeah, I think it, should, it could have hmm. been. 
at least a 3-4, so it doesn't die to, like, very common things. Um, then there's my pick for the worst flavor in the entire set. It's uh, We joked about this earlier. Uh, it's Jewel Thief. Uh, three mana, 3-3 three, three, <laughs> Cat Rogue. Uh, Vigilance Trample. When Jewel Thief enters the battlefield, create a treasure token, and she's literally just breaking through a window in the art. And I told you... I think it is for the really... escape. So, like, they've robbed a okay. store, and they're just jumping out the window to get away. That's, that makes sense. That makes more sense. I still think my joke's fucking funny, where I was telling you that, like, this is just the rogue at the part of the game where, like, you got tired of dying from being stealthy and shit, so you're like, fuck it, I'm just gonna go aggro and kill everything. <laughs> like, when you play the Hitman games, and you're at that point where you're like, alright, I'm just gonna shoot everyone up and, you know, be done with it's, it. Yeah, more efficient. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, cart next to it the return of um, what is it Thrag Tusk kind of uh, Workshop Warchief 5 mana for a, a 3 green green for a 5-3 Rhino Warrior with Trample when it enters the battlefield you gain 3 life when it dies you get a 4-4 Rhino Warrior and it has a blitz cost of 6 so you could blitz it in for six, it attacks immediately because it has haste. At the end of a turn, you sack it, draw a card, get your 4-4. Four, four. Obviously, the giant difference with Thraktusk is that Thraktusks had a leaves the battlefield effect, which meant you could flicker it. So yeah, that's definitely it gain more life? Uh, a five no, life I think that's... Oh, that might gain you five, Thraktusk. This yeah. gives you a 4-4 four, four instead of a 3, but like it's fairly similar. But obviously not having leaves makes it uh, pretty obnoxious. Yeah, Thragtusk gains you five life. So a little bit. Uh, kind of Thragtusk. If you if you blitz it in, it draws you a card, gains you the life, and makes you leaves a buy in a four four. Yeah. So that's cool. Then quick uh, touch on the card I got sad about because reading cards explains cards. Uh patch up. Two and a two and a white sorcery. Return up to three target creature cards with total mana value of three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. I didn't read the three creatures clause, so I was thinking, oh, you just stack your graveyard, and then you cast this, you get the valet, and just a whole bunch of zeros, and just, like, immediately get, like, a 64-power creature and kill your opponent, but you, you can only get the valet and two other creatures. That's so sad. Big sad. Though, I mean, getting three one-drops is kind of cool, though. It is. It's. It, I, I don't think this is going to get you anywhere. We had Call of the Death Dweller. I know that gets you two creatures, so you have to get like a two and a one or a three. But that get, did give the Death Touch and the Menace counters. And this gives none of that. So if that card isn't good enough, then I don't think this card is. You play it in Orzov Humans, where you get three one-drop one human warriors that are all two ones. We did it. There you go. Um, then there's my pick for actually, I think, the best Ascendancy. Um, it's Riveteer's Ascendancy. Uh, Jun Colors, Enchantment. Whenever you sacrifice a creature, you may return to a creature card with lesser mana value from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Do this only once per turn. I know the once each turn thing is super disappointing, but if they didn't have it, it would be one of the most broken fucking cards in existence because you could easily loop it. Um, so I think this is really cool. Really good value. Um, really powerful effect, even with the restriction. Um, I am, I'm going to be way less harsh on these once per turn and these types of restrictions 
ever since Anvil has shown to be an incredibly powerful card. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm going to keep an eye on this one, and I think it, it can be way better than we went on. Also, amazing art. It's referencing the uh, extremely like famous uh, picture of the, uh, I think it's the, was it the, uh, the Chrysler building construction or uh, in New York? Where there's the guys uh, sitting on the, uh... yeah, they're sitting on the steel beam, like basically like having lunch, and the idea is like if you like make one wrong move, you're you're fucking dead. <laughs> Though, <clears throat> if I remember correctly, I watched a documentary on this, and if you, they show like underneath them, it's not quite as a deadly fall as you think, because there's actually a platform underneath them, uh, not that far away. Ah, uh, if they were to fall. Um, so the way the, the angle is and the way it looks with like the, the city like backdrop and everything makes like it, that, much it makes worse. It look like they're, they're going to die. But in reality, if they fell, they, 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 they might break something, but they, they wouldn't necessarily die. I, I do think cause a friend of mine, actually, this interesting one, like not too long before we record it, I'm going to go to an FNM tomorrow. And he's like, should I put Riveteer's Ascendancy in Jun Sacrifice? And he's running the food version. So Trail of Crumbs, mm-hmm. Mayhem Devil. Um, I think he's running some Corvold. He fucking hates Corvold. Like, <laughs> with a passion. So he's like, do I, like, replace Corvold or something? But then after, I don't know, he just thinks the card's shit. Like, it keeps being, like, too slow when he plays it. But, um, anywho, I said not to, because I couldn't think of meaningful cards you could go into. Because you keep going down. So, like, mm-hmm. nothing is higher up than mayhem devil other than corvold yeah you'd, you'd have to but like you either, you have to go up the curve which you probably don't want to do mm-hmm. and then like what are you gonna do like sack your innkeeper into a gilded goose like i didn't really know what to make of it so i didn't think it was good in that deck but i can see just this being a build around and it's crazy oh yeah yeah, yeah. i think i think if you take like a a Rakdos sacrifice approach and then splash green for this and some other types of cards. I think that could be a way to do it. Um, Maybe even in Citadel, right? If I can sack like an Axis Woast Rider, like what if I have more than one or a Corvold and literally just grab an Innkeeper from my yard just so I can keep going because I'm gaining either I am not gaining life and now I am gaining life or I had two innkeepers, uh, one innkeeper and now I have two innkeepers. Um, maybe you hit a Corvold off the top, you sack it, get a Catacomb Sifter um, and sort of keep going in that loop. Um, even if you are doing the Catacomb Sifter Woe thing, you're perfectly happy turning an Axis Woestrider into a Gilded Goose just to have something else to sack. Because it's it's being thrown in a meat grinder anyway, so you don't actually care what it turns into. You just want more scries to extend your turn. So I can see it being okay in that, with maybe some tweaks. Uh, let's see. We have nothing really interesting from what I see for the remainder of uh, that day of spoilers. Uh, going up some more. Uh, there's the best mono white draw creature uh, spell in existence that you can't run into commander deck unless it's your commander. Uh, it's Rigo, Streetwise Mentor, uh, legendary cat citizen. 
hybrid uh Selesnia white hybrid Azorius for a 2-2. Uh enters battlefield with a shield counter on it, so built-in protection is nice. And whenever you attack a player or planeswalker with one or more creatures with power one or less, draw a card. It's kind of cool. Like a weenie. Uh, also in band colors, there is endless detour. That thing's pretty cool because it's very flexible. This is almost a charm. Um, it is an instant for a green, a white, and a blue because the band. And it says the owner of target spell, non-land permanent, or card in a graveyard puts it on the top or bottom of their library. There's, this is a very, like, this is the type of card that you have a one or a two of. Kind of just had to have, like, an out to a lot of things. Yeah, it's uh, it's Aether's Gust, but uh, without the color restrictions. Yeah, but it is one mana more, so you have to be a little... True. You know, tempo-wise, it's not very good. And because the problem with cards like this cast. is always, if you're getting rid of a problematic card, your opponent's going to put it on top, and next turn it's a problem again. Bant rogues. We're going to mill them. Mill them. I like it. Or you could, could you just do like a Bant mill deck? Or just like play like, uh, uh, what's it called? Like this, the crap or something. Just like, it's just like a really weird minor mill strategy. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> if we had Thought Scour, if we had Thought Scour, every Delve spell would be banned. But like, if we had, if we had True. Thought Scour, that's the type of thing you could do with that. I always love that in Modern. Turn one, opponent goes Serum Visions, Scry, top, top, and you're like, all right, Thought Scour, get rid of that shit. <laughs> oh, you have good cards on top of your deck. Uh, we got three really eh mythics back to back to back. Um, even the score, X, triple blue, instant, spell cost, triple blue less if the opponent has drawn four cards or more this turn, draw X cards, uh, commander card. I do like that you can run this in any color. If you're like punishing like a control deck that draws a lot of cards. Because when you have to close, it costs less to cast. It actually becomes a colorless spell. True. So I I don't know when that would be relevant. Especially because a lot of the draw in this format with like Dig Through Time or... I mean, against Phoenix, obviously, they do actually draw cards. But we have a lot of like Dig Through Time, Narset, which is actually put into your hand, which isn't drawing. So it's not that great there. Um, this card's kind of shit, but like the fact that it becomes colorless is cool. Uh, then there's... Uh, we'll skip this one first because I think this is actually not that bad. But then there's the worst mythic in the entire fucking set. Meeting of the five, three of any color, and then Wooburg. Uh, sorcery, exile the top ten cards of your library. You may cast spells with exactly three colors from among them this turn. Add... Double white, double blue, double black, double red, double green. Spend this mana only to cast spells with exactly three colors. <laughs> Holy fucking restriction, Batman. This is so bad. <laughs> I want to kill myself. This is the worst card in the set, and it's a mythic. It's ridiculous. <laughs> this it's- is, in all fairness, one of the worst cards that I have ever seen. Like, you're paying eight mana to get two mana back and maybe like draw two cards remember (laughs) remember with when neon dynasty before we started spoilers we had the leak of that five mana mythic uh saga where people were like this this kind of looks fake this card's really bad 
if this was the, this if this was the card that got leaked before anything else in the set and it was like that blurry like Nokia from 1999 picture quality on Reddit, I'd be like 100% this is fake. This looks like <laughs> shit. And and look at the art. Imagine that art blurry. It looks fake. It would look so fake. Imagine this but then in 240p. Yeah. Uh, but then we have a, a, a semi-decent card, Sanctuary Warden. Uh, could be better than I'm actually thinking, but we'll see. Uh, it is a 5-5 five, five Angel Soldier for 6, 4, double white, flying. Sanctuary Warden enters the battlefield with two shield counters on it, so built-in protection twice. Uh, whenever Sanctuary Warden enters the battlefield or attacks, you may remove a counter from a creature Planeswalker you control, and if you do, draw a card and create a 1-1 one, one green and white citizen creature token. Um... Yeah, I, this could be a really nice top end card for a deck. I don't know what deck though. I don't like. Do you put in like like a scales deck? Do you, do you just play in like a like a fires with planeswalkers or like I don't know what you do. It's kind of cool if you play this in ups and scales with winding constrictor and enters with three shield counters. Um, That's sweet. But yeah, I have the same problem with this card. It's big. It's strong. It's. Not hard to draw a couple cards with, which is not something we see in white very often. So, like, it's fine. It's just, like, I don't want to tap out for a big six drop that could draw me a card. And then my opponent taps taps out and either takes three turns in Phoenix or, like, literally three turns. Or they're playing like Niv and they like cast a Niv and then they have a 6-6 six, six blocker against your 5-5. Five, five. Like, or they play Winoda and they just immediately blow you up. Um, it's even like, it's not hexproof, so you can Brutal Cathar this. But like, there is so much that can go wrong when you tap out for this card that I can't imagine it's ever playable. But big, it's cool. Top deck for your yeah. Angel Tribal. You played a card from Kaldheim that makes your Angels cost less. Like that 3 yeah. mana 2-2. Two, two. Played it on 3, played it on 4. That's pretty sweet. Got it. What is with this set and random weird fucking sweepers? Um, Structure Assault. 3 double red for a sorcery that says destroy all artifacts. Then Structural Assault deals damage to each creature equal to the number of artifacts that were put into the graveyards from the battlefield this turn. Like, this is just... This is weird. Funny wording <laughs> on it means that if you sack treasures to cast this, they do count. Because treasures technically hit the, the, the graveyard, yeah. So... That's actually... This is exactly cool. good versus Rectal's Anvil. <laughs> like, exactly that deck. Like, you blow up all their artifacts, and then you blow up all their creatures. It's literally only good against that deck. If that deck is it's... super meta, this sweeper's not even that good because it's five mana. But, like, it's almost tailor-made. Because for standard, like, we, they have Anvil. They have Experimental Synthesizer. Rectal Sack is probably a deck in standard? Question mark? It is. It's a deck of standard historic and pioneer. It's uh, it's 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 great. What a time to be alive. So this is kind of like, like a a card. This is like a safety valve card, which like they've put in 
in case they feel like we're doing a lot with... Obviously, they're going to do a lot of artifacts stuff this year. Uh, we have Neon Dynasty, a lot of artifacts. This set has a lot of treasures, which at least are artifacts for synergies. We get Brothers War. So this feels like a sort of safety valve. Like, yeah, if everyone's just playing artifact, people are just going to play Is It Control and destroy those decks. Like, okay. It's fine. Uh, lastly, uh, for me, we have a card that basically is the love child of Mr. Manhattan and Chameleon, Undercover Operative. It is four mana, two double blue. It's a, it's a shape-shifting rogue. It's a zero-zero, enters battlefield as a copy of a creature on the battlefield, except it enters with a shield counter on it. Uh, if you control, uh, or no, on it, if you control that creature. Okay, yeah, so, so if, if you, you copy, copy one of your own, own creatures, it gets a shield counter. If you copy one of your opponent's creatures, it doesn't. I like, I like the uh, the clones. I like four mana clones a lot. So happy to have another one. This That's is this is pretty a pretty good, good one. Right, yeah. four mana clones. It's always a little much, um, especially because even cocoa them. If we're talking about four mana clones, um, I think this is harsh competition with Vizier of Many Faces. If this type of card is ever desirable, um, which I don't think it ever will be, unless Carnage Tyrants is everywhere again, then then I have my my tech ready from uh, days gone by. But it's cool. Um, maybe there is a card that can have like a lot of benefit from having a shield counter on it. Uh, I think there's some like funny Lyra. goblin card that is like uh, I think it's like a. Th- 3-3 three, three, and it says like tap 5 goblins deal 10 damage to every creature where the intent is is that it blows itself up but then if you find a way to copy it it wouldn't blow itself up like maybe there's a card that is like designed in that vein where it's designed to destroy itself with its effect and can actually be really good if it doesn't and Which then this card the would make the flavor cool. for this card so great why? it's like because it's like it's taking the identity of it and like the the original one dies he's throwing on the jacket and he's like i'm the guy oh i didn't see the guy in the background yeah that's really cool yeah sweet holy shit there's a lot of cards uh we got it we got through the majority of them we wanted to there was cards we left out of course if you have a card that you think we missed out on didn't talk about enough or missed some points on or whatever you want to hit us up you know alex and i are both on twitter disciple or mailbag we have the discords mailbags of course um or we'll be happy to listen uh but yeah we did it we did it now we're gonna go die Calm down um, a little bit now that I've got my Grixis rant out of me. Calm there down. was something I, I I'm just going to enjoy briefly. Maestro's Charm and just lie back. No, that, yeah. Hey, hey, we still have some cards left. Um, so we, 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 we're Maybe. at 236 out of 281. I don't know if you saw my wish card on Twitter, which is like realistically printable in these colors. Um, we got two more spoilers since we've been talking. They're bad. Yeah, they're two white cards. So, my, my wish card on Twitter was blue, red, black for the instant that says this spell can't be countered. Exile target spell. That'd be kind of cool. Like that, it's like we're just going like one level higher every time, 
It just the the counter spell that cannot be countered by counter spells and fucks with uncounterable counter spells. I just want to say no to a thought distortion. I did it to I played a game just against Jeskai uh, creativity, and on turn two, I think I had six cards in hand, and I cast thought distortion, and I initially went to counter it, and I was like, you you can't do that, and they're like, oh yeah, okay, like took it back, blah blah blah. And he was like, all right, then I guess there goes my whole fucking hand. And he just reveals a hand with six non-creature spells in it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is fun. And then the game after, he almost kills me with a Chandra that couldn't be countered. And I was like, don't we enjoy our cannot be countered six mana <laughs> sorcery <laughs> speed cards? Please don't. But I thought about that the other day. M20... Was it M21? I think M20... No, I think it's M20. It M20 had the uncounterable Chandra, Thought Distortion, and Veil of Summer in it. And Soren. Imperious Bloodward. Oh yeah, but I was just thinking the uncounterable cards. So like someone really fucking hated counter spells when they were designing that set. Like, holy shit. They should have made Soren uncounterable. <laughs> oh, Fry is in too. Oh, also yeah, in that Fry. set. I forgot. <laughs> Ah, uh, Fry. That's why they made Oko go plus two instead <laughs> oh, of plus Fry, one. Oh, Fry, if so only not every Fry. fucking walker came in with six loyalty. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so fucking much. Um, all right. Do you have anything else that we want to go over before we do reminders out the door? Uh, I don't think there's anything in particular. Um, one thing, which is a small correction from last week because I was a little confused about the new Pro Tour system. And um, if you, like me, then saw the... Well, maybe you for a different schedule. I saw the schedule for the European ones, which are in um, Bologna, I think, like somewhere in Italy, which names I keep forgetting. I think it's then Copenhagen, Paris, Sofia. And only the Sofia one is Pioneer, and all the other ones are different formats. And I was very confused, because I was like, I thought the regional tours had to be pioneer um basically and i'm sure the same is going to be the case in every region there is a couple of large events leading up to one big one like the one before the pro tour and i think you have like your local events then you have the regional qualifier and then you have like the regional tournament and that last event is the regional tournaments and these three events prior are really just large local qualifiers. Which I thought was super confusing, because apparently Paris is my local scene. If I have to believe that triad, that pyramid, which I wouldn't necessarily... I mean, it's not hard for me to get to Paris, but I don't think I'd take the train and sit in it for three hours to play an FNM in Paris. That seems a little excessive. So I wouldn't call it my local scene. But according to the pyramid, it is. So if you're confused about that, then that's why. So you have to see it like that, the final runner-up. Like, that's sort of like the final event, and that one has like a last chance qualifier. At least European does. So I'm going to assume they all do, because it kind of makes sense to draw people to the event with the, like, entice them that there is a last chance qualifier. But that was just the moment I figured that out. I think like an hour later, the episode went up, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I immediately was in the wrong. Uh, you At know, least you've titled was, it. Alex is tired, so I yeah, have an excuse. I, I did. I, I was. I was ready. Um, if I if I was over there, Alex, I'd go with you 
to on a three hour train trip to uh, to Paris for an F and M. Just for an F and M. Yeah. Why not? There's some cool card shops in Paris. I've been uh, been to one of them. Really cool. I, I've I've never been to Europe in general, so I'd be thrilled to just be like, I'm in Paris. I'm That's in pretty Paris cool. Now. Remember this one? Uh, I had uh, my cards at, at work the other day. It was last week, and um, as this kid was like asking, like, how much like does a deck cost? And I was like, oh boy, let me tell you. And I was like, I was pulling deck boxes out of my bag. I'm like, this one's five hundred. This one's four hundred. This one's only one hundred and fifty. That's pretty cool. This one's five hundred. And he's like, I I don't want to play this game. And I'm like, I don't blame you. I, I'm I'm encouraging you not to. <laughs> There's a reason it has the nickname Cardboard Crack. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just like, why do you have so many decks? And I'm like, I, I kind of look at them and I look at my decks and I'm like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's just fun. <laughs> I don't have a good, I don't have an acceptable answer. I mean, answer, you foil but, you out know, your decks when you can. So like you, you do it to yourself. Uh, yeah yeah i do it's great i feel great about it good i love falling out my shit i do want i do want uh i still need to get the chandra's dress to kill because i kind of want to try out the the lower to the ground though i i've seen versions of mono red where it's lower to the ground but also not because they're running like some chain whirlers in the main uh just for like the mirror and stuff to have like the edge there um, which I think is kind of cool, but like, do do you think I could just throw in the 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 faces card, the one mana thing, in like the the bigger rack, not Rakdos, I'm sorry, bigger red deck with like four mana Chandra and like Torbrand and stuff? I don't know. I think it's gonna be very hard to leverage the two, at the second chapter, and it's gonna be worse of a top deck because it's not like gonna trigger like a bunch of prowess, right? So I I don't know I I don't think it's gonna be great in there. Man, I have a I have a foil playset, ready to go. I'm so sad. All right, well reminders out the door. We are the official podcast of the Playaway Discord server, otherwise known as our podcast, Pioneer Perspective. That's the name of us. Hello, you've been listening to us, so I would hope you know the name of us by now. Anyway, if you want to get some merch. Go to inkingme.com. We have two links in the description. There's the first one available to go just get anything with our faces on it or play away. If you don't want that, you can get the other ones, use the affiliate link, get anything you want, and call it a day. Now, I don't know. I'm curious, because uh, inkingme does offer the ability to do custom mats, where you just kind of put your own image on a mat, and then it's like 20 bucks. I wonder if the affiliate link goes to that, too. I, I have that. no idea, honestly. Well, I'd have to read the terms and conditions. Um, Homework for next week, Brad. Yeah, I'll do that. I want to know oh. if I can put like a, a like a large picture of you just zoomed in, really blurry, like on a play mat. I'd do like, it. <laughs> it's better than like that fucking dude that everyone's LGS that just shows up with like a hentai play mat, and you're like, "What are you fucking doing here? Go home." Um, and then, uh, what are the other reminders? Uh, 
Patreon? We have social medias. Yeah, Patreon. Uh, remember to we have that in the description if you want to help support the show. That's a big, huge thank you to all of our wonderful patrons. It looks like with Alex's face lighting up white, are you going to look at the patrons? Wait, no, can you? I tried. No, I can't see who the patrons are. It still says, even though we have a three, uh, a tier for three bucks, we have three patrons and we have seven bucks. So I, I don't know what Patreon's doing. Um, I'm going to assume, so it's still uh, Kevin from Anchor, uh, who's supporting us there. Then I believe it is Bridger and Epic, who I know are uh, Patreons. And mm. then a mystery person, which Patreon hasn't told me yet. So I don't know if Patreon has told you at this point. So, yeah, I'm trying to log back into it uh, because the problem is um, I I have my own personal Patreon that I use to support playing Pioneer, uh, but it's in a different account. So, like, I have to log out of that one, log into the Pioneer Perspective email, which I can. I'm there now. We can look. Uh, viewer relationship manager with three active patrons. It is Patrick Newman, Bridger, also in Elk, and Sir Epic, all showing support. Um, so yeah, that's that's a uh, thank you guys so much. You're the best. Uh, we appreciate you a lot. Um, and of course, Alex's friend as well on Anchor. Um, uh, social medias: Bradsfer, Disciple Bolus. Ignore how I pointed. <laughs> For those of you who can't see, as I'm saying, I pointed at Alex when I said Bradsford, then at myself when I said Disciple Bullis. Uh, Brad is like throwing like the confusion technique. It's like, ha, it's 10 to 3 in the morning there over there. I'm going to confuse him even more. <laughs> I'm you. I'm the Christmas With, with all now. love, Brad. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um... Playing Pioneer articles. Read them. All right. Thank you so much for listening. You guys are the best. We love you so much. This uh, is the bye. best outro we've ever See done. Bye bye, everyone. <laughs>